well, now what? We just had the greatest conversation of our lives. That was so good. And it's only for you and I to enjoy now. <laughs> I didn't hit record in time to, re- like, we were talking and it was so natural and it just felt like friendship. You, well, no, let's not get too far. How did you here. bring that up, by the way? Or what, what made you think of that? So you said, you, you remember you when were, I played bass? Oh, that's right. We were talking about the I Am the series, I Am series opener. Recorded you bass. said, who are the voices? And I mentioned... Sean that plays bass, and then yeah. you and I said mimed bass, <laughs> bass, but it was really way too high. Well, it was just you made high. fun of me, so I was like, "Oh yeah." Well, bass. I think what made sense is that if you would bass and then you did this, I wouldn't have seen anything. <laughs> so it's, I had to get over the table. You with had to my, get over the table with your bass. Here's my fake bass, my yeah. imaginary bass. I like you said Sean that plays bass. Is are there more Sean's? Well, there's Sean White. He snowboards. Okay, and you thought that I thought you of got the two Sean Sean's White. that I know of. That, that, uh, yeah, it, it, there were only two options that recorded for the, for the IM series. <laughs> I don't know it was why. either Sean Ortega. Sean, if you're listening, how you doing, bud? Yeah. And, or Sean White, mm-hmm. the right. Olympic snowboarder. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I appreciate it. I just, anyways, no. And then you said, remember when. Yeah. Yeah. You, you played, I played bass. I played bass for you. It was a very last minute call. Was it? I, I see. I don't remember how it happened. I just remember. I remember the details. Yeah. So you guys had a Saturday night mm-hmm. service, That's and right. so you had someone scheduled that obviously couldn't make it. They flaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you called me and it said, did. "Hey, can you play bass?" Yep. And I said, "I can operate a bass. I don't know if I can play a bass." Yeah. And you said that. Well, would you you know help with worship? Yeah. And I said, "Well, do you have a bass?" Mm-hmm. You said. No. <laughs> Do you have a bass? One. And I said, yes. Yeah. I, I'd had a bass because I was doing some of my own recording. And a lot of guitar players can operate a bass. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, even I could, but I don't claim to do it well. Yeah. It's just, you know, the notes. And so you can do very, very basic. Yeah. And like stuff. most things, I overplayed on that as well. <laughs> I think I ruined. I don't know. You I ruined don't, your own bass? Yeah. Well, certainly I ruined the songs. I ruined the worship set. No, you didn't. But I remember. It was a great uh, time. I remember doing that. And yeah, it was, it was fun. I don't remember the songs we did. Yeah, S- I think "Song of Hope" was one. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a fun time. I I forget all those songs we used to play. Well, <laughs> we'll start off easy with meet and greet. You love your family. I <laughs> I do love my family. Hang should, on. Should we welcome? I think we should. I gotta double check it. <laughs> You're having. He's having a meltdown. Nothing's recording? No, these two, I believe, are. Okay. That one is not. I'm going to do this. All right. Now it's recording. See that big red? Yeah, that's recording. Are you recording? That one's recording. Good grief. Well, these aren't technical difficulties. These are no, just... No, this is mental difficulties. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we'll get Some of it hump. could be considered emotional. I don't know. At this early? <laughs> <laughs> it's early. Oh, my word. Well. Before we get to meet and greet. Should we welcome people? We should. Should I power? <laughs> should I power up? I think you should. There, yeah. is. I'm gonna hide my hands down here. <laughs> That's right. Just we're very fun. This is we have so many problems already. Welcome to the atrium. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's Welcome to the atrium. Sean playing bass. That is Sean. Sean Ortega. You Sean are. White. You bass player. <laughs> Sean Connery. Maybe. Oh my. Oh, that's yes. Yes. I've never played the bass before. <laughs> Well, you got to start somewhere. Welcome to the atrium. Welcome. 
a weekly podcast from Hope Christian Church. My name's Jared, I'm creative arts pastor here at Hope Christian Church. And my name is Neil. What was I doing with my hands just now? I don't know. Okay. Lead pastor of Hope Christian Church, and this is episode... Seven. Seven. Can you believe it? I really can't. That's the perfect number, indeed. That's we a, should probably stop after this one. That's a, almost a full day's work. That, mm. If you listen to all of that together. That's true. Well, no, these no. are about an hour and a half. It's more than. Yeah, we just keep talking longer and longer. You could listen to one one episode of the Atrium every day. Yeah. For one week now. You could. It's true. If you needed to. That's right. If you want to listen to <laughs> us every day, you'd have to keep repeating at this point because we only have seven. It's not like we have a series of. Anyways, is anybody asking for more of this? <laughs> I don't know that they are. I think we're pretending that they are, and that's why we keep hitting that record button. Well, every week we've got about four to five plays. Yeah. And I know I watch four times. And I watch a minute. At least one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, turn this off. I have gone back and listened to some of this, especially in the early days. Yeah. Of, the early days. This is episode seven. <laughs> Years ago, back when in we the day, the podcast. Oh man, where's my what's my cue? Where's my cue? Is this my camera? Um, it's your camera. So, because I wanted to hear what it sounded like on you know in the car, yeah, and, you know through the TV to make sure yeah, you want to see what the experience is like. Yeah, is, are, are we doing with this with any level of? And boy, I gotta tell you, I don't quality. care for the sound of my own voice. Really? Yeah, I like it. I Do think you? it's nice. I, yeah. I don't know. I it's, told Rachel, I think soothing, it's soothing. It's smooth. It's getting deeper the older I've, I'm getting. Yeah, you're going to sound like Darth Vader here pretty soon. Well, I've been, uh, Henry and I were just recently, I was just going over how to do some uh, Darth Vader impersonations. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the classic, you know, breathing. Yeah. And I'm your father. Yeah. Which I'll, that line is is a very misquoted line. It is. It's not Luke, I'm your father. It's no. No. I am your right. father. Yeah. Yeah. And you just quoted it correctly, just saying, I am your father. Right. It was good. Yeah. I left the no, the no part good. out. You can so. tell a lot about a person who says, Luke, I am your father. Well, maybe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> They've only seen Empire maybe once, if even. Okay. They've probably read the quote or heard about it. Yeah. I think it's someone who's never actually seen the movie, but they've heard it, the trope. Well, they might be quoting Tommy Boy. That's true. That's isn't... that's also true. So that could tell you something. Yeah. Could tell, tell you a lot of things. Anyways, I don't care for the sound of my own voice. No. Oh. I don't know many people that do. Does so. Rachel? Is she is she listening to the podcast saying like, ooh, she's I got think... a nice voice? No. Does she? Okay. Does she say you have a podcast voice? Well, like you don't sound like that. You are she, talking in a way that's specific to the podcast. What she kept doing in the early days, years ago, when the atrium launched, yeah, she kept telling me, she's like, I really think Jared has a good podcast voice. No, she did. Oh, that's I'm so not. Kind. This is Rachel. not. It so is kind. very kind to you, but because there was no follow up, she's like, <laughs> as in, oh, yours is okay too, dear. Mm. My, my husband. Mm. No, it was Jared's voice. Sounds really good. And you but what's sound, wrong with yours? Yeah, you sound, <laughs> you might, you seem congested. Oh. No, she didn't say that. But no, she, uh, no, um, Rachel, yeah, I think my voice, well, my voice is very nondescript. Mm. There's like nothing proprietary or unique about it other than it's well, mine. That's how I feel about mine. Yeah. It's very. Like James Earl Jones, who did the voice of Darth Vader. He's got a unique voice. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Who else? I mean, you just said uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. He has very a very voice. Yeah, yeah. iconic voice. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell. He has a very... Um, I don't know who was Malcolm McDowell. He is an 
old act. I th- I've never seen it, and I'm not promoting this because I've heard it's actually very violent okay. and not good movie. But okay. A Clockwork Orange, okay, which is like a cult um, Stanley Kubrick movie from like the 70s, I think. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell is the one of the main actors in that movie. He's also been in a number of other things, but he's this guy with a British accent that's okay. just super. I don't know. It's like on par with, I'd say, like Patrick Stewart has an iconic voice. He does, Patrick um, Stewart. Yeah. You know, some of these guys just like, mm, yeah, they were born to have just a, a good voice. Yeah, they don't, they, like when I would record vocals um, when I was writing music, Yeah, like I, they would just, we would have to do so much post work to make it sound thick and, and yeah. I don't, I just don't have a, a naturally good tone uh, that you know, a lot of singers or, or speakers do. So needless well, to say, we've, this is not what I really sound like. Well, like we've I done just a said, lot of post work. No, <laughs> honestly, no, not a lot. Okay. And I would just say, I think you have a nice Boy, soothing, uh, yeah. You seem just, like words of affirmation. It, they are. I'm getting uncomfortable. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice soothing but, voice. But All right. <laughs> well then why don't we get started with our favorite segment, meet and greet. ba da ba ba Man, it is it was still going strong. <laughs> I almost ripped my head off. <laughs> we don't okay? have much slack with these headphones. Are we moving farther and farther away? I don't from, know. I don't know. <laughs> it almost feels like someone is in here. They moved the table. Everything's. I feel just... like the board is getting further away because they're like, "Listen, just stop." <laughs> the technology wants us. <laughs> the to technology stop. itself is getting uncomfortable <laughs> with us. What do you got? Okay. Now this is maybe you will have an answer. Maybe you won't. Hmm. Now, I know that you don't do a ton of traveling. Like, that's just not how you... Virtually none. Yeah, that's just not your thing. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to keep it within the United States. Yeah. If you could choose any national park to visit, what national park would you visit? We So there's a deeper problem to this already. Oh, no. Yeah, and, and not only do I not... It's not that I don't enjoy travel. I just haven't had a, a lot of opportunity to travel. Sure. I think if I had had opportunity, I would have done it. Um, but that that's not the issue here. I don't know many national parks. Do you know any? I don't know if I do. There's one that's very close nearby that you could answer. Is Yellowstone a national park? It is. Okay, then I will choose Yellowstone. Do you know what makes Yellowstone iconic? Yogi Bear. That's true. But also... Old Faithful. Old Faithful. The geyser. Yeah. And is it Yogi Bear? Is is that Yellowstone or is it Jellystone? It's Jellystone. Yeah. But it's close enough that... Yeah. See, I I knew as soon as I heard National Park. So let's rewind. So heck with that whole National Park thing. Okay. If you could visit any city Mm. in the United States, what city would you want to visit and why? So I've never been to Seattle. Oh, and yeah. uh, so Seattle had uh, was kind of the, I would say, eh, maybe origin, at least some of the pioneering of the grunge yeah, music grunge. movement yep. came out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Very so, famously Nirvana. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so to go um, and just kind of see what that was all about. I hear yeah. it's a pretty um, eclectic place. Yeah, uh, I knew a guy that lived there for a while. I'm not, I enjoy, like we've talked about, you know, 
uh, sips of coffee here and there. So it wouldn't, oh, yeah. it wouldn't be for that. It'd be more like the music scene yeah. there just to kind of see what that was was all about. You're not there for Seattle's best. I think most of the cities that I wanted to to visit, I've, you know, like LA, I've, I've been to. So you have done some traveling. Very, very little, but yeah, some. I mean, I'm in my early 40s. I've yeah. been around a little bit, but haven't I haven't traveled outside the United States yeah. other than I did one um, all-inclusive trip to the Riviera Maya Ooh, in my 20s and then nice. um, but like I went to Las Vegas in my 20s yeah. and you know did a few things here or there been to Nashville yeah. but I think yeah Seattle yeah. I think that might Interesting. be that might be it Rachel and I talk about traveling <clears throat> all the time when I met Rachel as discussed previous on the podcast Rachel's eight years younger than I am so she was in college yeah and I was working and so there was no <laughs> we didn't have any money to travel and you know, she had all these school responsibilities and then she got out of college and started running this buckle store. Yeah. And I had gotten <clears throat> laid off from a job and didn't have money. And so, sure. there was, and then we wound up getting married and <laughs> she was at this crazy work schedule. And then I, right. you know, I got laid off again from a job and then wound up getting the job here and then went back to school. So we've always just been busy and never had opportunity to travel. And now we yeah. have Henry Yeah, and we're not the, and this isn't, you know, this is just kind of how we are. I have no desire currently to travel without Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel and I love spending time together, certainly. Yeah. But we really have a lot of fun as a family. Yeah. And so we think about traveling with Henry, which we'd like to do, but he's just now starting to get to the point where, yeah, you know, at five, he's starting to be able to process. He's online right. enough to know, okay, you know, this is Disney Disney World or Disneyland. Right. Disneyland is where he wants to go to because he's a huge fan of the Cars movies. Oh, yeah. And they have Radiator Springs, which is the town for oh, Cars, cool. and it's completely built. Yeah. And so it's like a legit thing. So we've talked about, you know, trying to do that yeah. at some point. But, yeah, it's always been tough to, to get away and, mm-hmm. and time off. But, yeah, we haven't done much traveling. But in my early 20s, I did a little bit. You know, we drove to California, yeah. so I, I went, you know, uh, drove through a bunch of places, and we stopped a bunch of places. But Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, maybe Seattle. That's interesting. I think. Very cool. Yeah, that's super interesting. Okay. No national parks. So no. I would go. I yeah, would go. I yeah, just yeah, don't have sure. the knowledge. Yeah. Well, just so you know, 40 minutes away from here yes, is please. Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Okay. You been? I have n- I've been in the area. I have not visited the national park per okay. se quite yet. You like parks? It I looks do. like a uh, national park type of shirt there. Yeah, this is actually from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Is which is a, home of Grand Tetons National Park, and incidentally, Yellowstone is right there as well. Here we go. You okay? I can't blame two cups this time. What happened? <laughs> I just breathed in the wrong. Ah, I hate that. So I, yeah, I would go to. Like, I like the idea of hiking yeah. and, and being outside. Oh, for and sure, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The nice thing is, is that here in Ohio, there's a lot of nice places to go and hike. You know, Hinkley has whips and ledges. And, okay. The national park, obviously, you know, it's not a flat place, you know, so there's a lot of interesting places to go here in Ohio. The nice thing also is there's just unique stuff like the islands. Yeah. You can go to, there's some hiking you can do as far as that goes. Yeah. A lot. It's fun. It's cool. I grew Um, up, my dad was a boater. Yeah. There you go. So, So you know. Yeah. He had all kinds of boats and used to water skiing. I I think one of the big draws, especially for me to national parks is geography. Okay. Uh, go to Wyoming. There's amazing mountains. Mm. You know, Colorado, Rocky Mountains. Go up to, you know, uh, Montana. Again, mountains. Like I love mountains. Yeah, it um, seems like in that kind of stuff. Big trees, that kind of stuff. Um, 
Arizona and Utah are incredible for canyons, uh, red rocks, that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting to me, those places, yeah. and they're visually stimulating and the smell of the trees. The, yeah. It's just a different place. Outside altogether. is great. Yeah. That's I why like sometimes outside. Ohio could be tough to uh, live in for That's me. That's true. Least, yeah. Music. Like in the winter, like, I don't know. I just, we don't spend a lot of time outside in the winter. Right. These nicer days that we've had, I've really enjoyed getting outside. Yeah, it's good. So, anyways. I like that you like mountains and big trees. Oh, dude, I do. <laughs> yeah. It works. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it it's works. good. So, anyways, all that's to say is I think geographically, a lot of the draw of national parks is that they are the preservation of an iconic landscape. Yeah. Like the Grand Canyon or, okay. you know, yeah. any any number of those places. So, all that's to say is geographically, Ohio is interesting. You know, this region of the of the United States is interesting. There's a lot to see. So it's have you place. recently taken a part time job working for Ohio? No. Okay. I love Ohio. Okay. I was just curious. It's my home. Seems I don't like have you're, to you're marketing Ohio's geography. They don't have to pay me to market Ohio. <laughs> I like Ohio. When well, we moved to Texas, people would say they would poop on Cleveland all the time. I'm like, listen, I'm, if you're dude, on Ohio's payroll, I'm fine with you're it. just you're just regurgitating the propaganda because jokes on you. Cleveland's actually really cool. Yeah, there's a ton of great stuff about Cleveland. You go back 20, 30 years. Yeah, it's kind of junky and rusty and not a whole lot going on. Maybe it felt like it was going downhill, but now, now, now it's different. Well, I like that. Thanks, LeBron. I like that. Is that who we thank? <laughs> no. no. And he's a golfer? He, <laughs> no. He's a famous bassist. A famous bassist. Plays the bass nice and low. Oh, boy. Anyways. Yep. So that was my kind of my big question for you. Yeah. So you do enjoy hiking, though, when you get the opportunity. Well, I don't think I've ever been officially hiking. I don't know what that means, really. To you just find a trail and... Uh, yeah, I've I, walked on trails. I, yeah, th yeah, that's hiking. There you go. Yeah. You well, I feel hike. like I've had conversations with people before, and they're like, do you hike? Well, I've walked in the way. We're like, oh, that's not hiking. I don't know if I, if I need a canteen. Is that what makes it hiking? Uh, like I need know, a water supply and dehydrated food just it's kind of weird to gatekeep hiking like that like nah you haven't really <laughs> you haven't really hiked until yeah. it's like you know there's different levels of hiking yeah you know because it's i just kind of be like well you haven't hiked either because you haven't climbed up mount everest is so. it shoes related like i don't have specific hiking shoes it's, you don't have to it's normally That's whatever the beauty I'm of hiking the and the outdoors see anyone who truly loves the outdoors and, and loves creation and enjoying it and hiking and outdoor activities will say it's for everyone okay and it's for any, there's all kinds of different clothes you could wear. The joy of hiking is not found in the shoes you wear, although you could have better shoes than, you know, yeah. you can have some good shoes that help maximize the experience, but you can go in tennis shoes. I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid. Yeah. Love the woods. We got great woods back here. Yeah. On the I property. I heard there's a trail cut back there. This is what I'm hearing. I've been back there. Lot of I poison will, ivy. So I would say you could, yeah, there's. Mm. Yeah. I would say that you could go hiking back there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I hike all the time. There you go, man. You're a hiker. I am. A, <laughs> I'm a hiker. Oh boy. Anyways. That's quite a hike. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that was my question. Not well, not a I whole like ton it. of questions. I just wanted to just one uh, one, one big one. Park question. Yeah. I, I thought it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I suppose there would be someone who's what just city like ah, I hate mountains. City I would go to. Boston. I've been. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of cities I'd go to, and it's usually because that city is near something. Boston, yeah. though, uniquely is historical and interesting from, you know, obviously Revolutionary War period. Lots of stuff going on in that area. Yeah. 
um, I'm a history guy, so yeah. I just latch on to like, what's historical about this <clears throat> place? Like, I'll tell you, that. last night I was looking at something and it popped up something about Waco, Texas, mm. having a woolly mammoth, uh, like an actual like preserved woolly mammoth uh, fossil wow. that you can go and see. Yeah. The problem with that is that I went to Waco a number of years ago when my sister and her husband came to Dallas and said to us, hey, we should go see all that Magnolia stuff, to which we said, should we? Mm. And then we did, and we got breakfast. It was great and whatever, but you basically go down there and find like a indoor decor shop. You know, It's a little bit more built up now, yeah. as I've heard. But anyways, that's how it was back then. So then I find out that there was actually a woolly mammoth we could have gone and seen. Mm. And that hurts me. Yeah. So anyways, it's stuff like that where it's just like I, I'm i usually drawn to some place because of what it's near. Gotcha. Historically or, okay. in, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Weird like that. Sarah will a, tell you that's that. That's a good thing. I'll be like, hey, there's this battlefield yeah. we can go and see. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> okay. You know, she's a good sport. <laughs> she seems like it. She, she yeah. can enjoy. She'll enjoy most things even if they wouldn't be her first choice yeah she's really gracious about that that's good she can find joy in a lot of things that she wouldn't choose for herself yeah and i appreciate that it's very kind of her like battlefields battlefields i got a question for you okay pancakes or waffles oh dude uh pancakes really i think no hesitation yeah i just i don't know i i like waffles when i have them but i usually will choose pancakes i don't know why because waffles seem much more utilitarian you know, they got it's, their little cubbies. They it's hold, the same they batter. Hold, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's the shape, though. It's the shape. I don't know. It just seems different. The crunch, it, but it maybe. holds. I like. So I will tell you, I do like about waffles um, that the butter will just. Yeah. The butter, the syrup, all of it will gather. Yeah. Especially if you introduce like fruit and stuff like a blueberry will usually perfectly fit in one of the little cubbies. Like a waffle. Yeah, a waffle so, cover. It sounds a lot like I like waffles a lot. It does. I'm talking more about waffles on pancakes. <clears throat> As I'm talking, I'm well, starting to question my absorb the butter. Yeah. Where the waffle, the butter often just rests yeah. in the square. Yeah. And so if you need the visual affirmation that you're eating butter, I think you go with waffle. That's interesting. I think if you are okay with having faith that the butter's in there. <laughs> You go with pancakes. It seems like pancakes are more of a Christian choice. This sounds awfully <laughs> spiritual, and that's why I said pancakes because I'm. A I recently Christian took boy. a part-time job for the Pancake Association. Wow, of the I United States. Didn't know there was such an yeah, association. I applied for the Ohio National Parks uh, job, but they said that they hired a man with a more robust beard. Oh well, yeah, I wasn't out- goes outdoorsy enough. That's how it goes sometimes. I enjoy both pancakes and waffles. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, too. You know, I think knee-jerk reaction pancakes, but when I really get into the nitty-gritty and I really sort through my heart, mm. I find that I have a special place in my heart <laughs> for both. <laughs> if I'm if I'm even more transparent, any way I can get that butter in. It's really about the butter. It is about the butter. You've been talking a lot about butter. Yeah. There's something so wonderful to look at when you've got, like, a nice stack of pancakes and there's just a perfect pat of butter sitting on top. Yeah. But then it calls into question... Are those pancakes cold? Because that butter should have melted by now. Right. I find that normally the top pancake is cold. It's interesting. It's like kind of a blanket for the others. Yeah. It's like it sacrificed itself. It's a pancake lid. It's a a lid for the pancake heat. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. That's awesome. I've never done this. Now I'm just coming 
with this on the spot. Tell me so more. if this offends anyone, I apologize. I'm not offended. What about what about this pancake on the plate? Then waffle. Then another pancake. That sounds like the best of both worlds. Now we're not stacking cakes. And you're not playing favorites. You're not playing favorites. Yeah. So what I would do is I would go pancake. Okay. Butter on the top. Okay. Waffle. Mm-hmm. Butter on that. Mm-hmm. Get those little squares filled up. Yep. Pancake. Pat of butter. Yep. Syrup. Interesting. Waffle sandwich, basically. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Okay. And the nice thing about that from how you've described it is you've used about a pound of butter, well, which least, is yeah. exactly what you you want. Yeah. Because you're, it's really. And I'm a real butter guy. It's like the pancake is a taxi in which the butter arrives into your it's mouth. It's just a vehicle for the butter. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I hope you are all enjoying this and headed to <laughs> your favorite pancake and or waffle spot. Right yeah. We've just sold a lot of pancakes today. Where would you recommend someone go if they can't have, if for whatever reasons, maybe they don't have the know-how or the supplies at home to make their own pancakes or waffles, where should they go to get pancakes and waffles? It all depends. I think they're all a little bit different. I'm not too particular. Like, I don't think I've ever had a pancake out where I've been like, this is terrible. Mm. So, you know, any of the, any of the big. So you, so like Waffle House? Yeah, I think a Waffle House. Really? Yeah. I used to go to this place all the time when I was living in Lakewood called a place to be deli. Oh, interesting. A little deli, great breakfast spot, great yeah. pancakes, and interesting waffles. But I mean, Bob Evans. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with Bob Evans. Yeah. I, I Bob walk, knows what he's doing. I walk in there, it's it's quiet. Yeah. It seems like I'm on a farm. It's usually a lot of old people. Their biscuits and, and gravy. there's something really nice about that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know why. It's just pleasant to look around. It's like, look at all these people reading newspaper. Well, where'd they get that? Well, I I've had great experiences there. Yeah, but me too. you know, I hop any of any of them really. Yeah, that's good. Denny's, Denny's was amazing. Yeah, when I was a kid. No, no Denny's around here really. Yeah. And there's something unique. Like I feel like Denny's and Waffle House for me always comes back to a story about puke. I don't know why. Really, Waffle House puke on a table. Mm. Denny's puke in the parking lot. Really? Yeah, it's strange. I don't have that. Yeah, it's weird. I'm not blaming Denny's or Waffle House no. for that. I'm just observing. Seems with like my maybe memories. what happened beforehand. It maybe could have been the result of that. Yeah, it kind of weird. So, so what do we got today? So, before we get started, yeah, talking about Sunday and going over some questions we received, I have to issue a correction oh. on something I said last week. Okay, I lied unintentionally. Okay, so I I misattributed a quote. Did you? Okay, I said the quote. Every man who knocks on the door of a, I think I said prostitute, the actual quote is brothel. So every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. I think I attribute it to Charles Spurgeon. Okay. I lied. Who was it? G.K. Chesterton. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't, don't know, know why. G.K. Chesterton is. He is an author okay. from the late 1800s. G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> yeah. That's a great name. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Chesterton. Chesterton. Not tin, ton. Ton. It's spelled ton. Chesterton. Chesterton. Well, I appreciate that correction. I just want to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Was that plaguing you or had someone brought it to you? No, it bothers me because I I don't want to just leave it out there and inevitably someone will write it and be like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) You quoted this, but it wasn't by that person. Yeah. I don't know who that would be, but I just, you know, I'm... One of my hopes is that the more time we spend together, the more comfortable you'll get misquoting things. Well... I find great solace in doing that. I found that... 
kidding, of course. Kidding, of course. Kidding, of course. Yeah, we talk about. Yeah. Um, it's hard because so much of this is spontaneous. Exactly. Like, and there's, there's only so much, so much research. Well, there's so we much that do. pops into my head that I'm like, yeah. oh, I really want to say that. Do I know who said it? And then if yeah. I think I know who said it, I'm going to say, I think this is who said yeah. it. I could be wrong. Well, the research is endless. Like, I, I study these questions and, you know, make notes. I've got tons of notes on yep. this this paper. And, um, but, you know, we're trying to to do this in, in as much real time as possible as, yeah. as well. And so, yeah. you know, just for the record, when when we make mistakes and we will continue to make mistakes and have those we moments. We intend to. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't correct us. We know what we're doing. <laughs> we are deliberately we're creating controversy. Right. Yes. Yeah, These are talking points. Oh, my God. No, they are. Yeah, they are mistakes that are unintentional. And um, we are more than happy. I I, I I've referenced this many times. I'm just getting more and more comfortable as I get older using the phrase, I'm okay being wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I just am. I'm okay being wrong and being corrected. I, I would never want. You anything. seem uniquely comfortable with it. It's weird. I, well, I'm just wrong so much. <laughs> no, this no, is, just so here, here's the truth. Um, I've gotten more comfortable with it because uh, the position that I'm in requires me to answer a lot of questions I you answer, don't have the choice you usually don't have the the ability to not answer I, I don't and because of the the sheer volume of you know years that I've worked in ministry and the sheer yeah. volume of people that have been around and just being a, a lead pastor people will naturally come to you with questions yeah and I if I don't know the answer mm-hmm. I would never make one up I would never right. I'll just say listen give me some time to get back mm-hmm. the Lord's been gracious in in helping me piece things together yeah but over the years I've just had to answer so many questions that I've totally. been wrong so much that I've just gotten more comfortable with being wrong yeah but not to the point of laziness where right. I'm like I'm That's so good. okay with being wrong that I'm not going to study or, or yeah. try to I I Whenever it, it pains me, <laughs> like sometimes when I know I've said something that I didn't want to say or, or, um, and even with these podcasts, like we'll answer yeah. the questions and sometimes I'm like, was that right? Was that first Samuel 15 that where, you know, uh, God's saying, I'm going to kill the women or kill the women and the children. And so like that'll, yeah. and so all those things are accidental. We do it on Sunday mornings. Like I send you the slides, you do the yeah. slides, like the upstairs three sets of eyeballs see mm-hmm. those slides and inevitably there will always be a slide not always but there's often a slide that's wrong or a verse that's wrong and it's just very much our our humanness and finite yeah. nature coming through so yeah but I, I appreciate that and again for those that are listening or watching we we welcome um, those those corrections and please extend grace to us as we make those errors at times sure or yeah. errors. Ers. Hey, you remember. Of course. <laughs> you got to throw some Latin in there now. Well, I can't. Oh, man. Okay, so this past Sunday, yeah. we had a special guest. We did. Good old Denver. Yes, Denver Daniel, the president of Open Door Christian School, yeah. uh, came and shared. We have a partnership. Hope Christian Church has a partnership with Hope, or yep. with Open Door, rather. Um, it's something that we started last year. Denver and I had started talking about this. It was well over a year ago, yeah. like a year and a half ago, and I... Went to Open Door, Rachel went to Open Door, and so I'm very familiar with the school. I met yeah. in Denver a slew of times and just got to know him and kind of the vision and mission of Open Door, and it really aligned with what we are doing here at, at Hope. Yeah. And at least this isn't in uh, the Lord's plan for us at this point, which is to start a school at Hope Christian Church. Right. We, we get approached, we've been approached several times um, by 
you know, daycares or preschools that, you know, want to partner with us and use the building and the facility, but there's just too much going on here at Hope. We're not a huge building, um, but it's a great location and it's a great Mm -hmm. building and we're very thankful for it. But, uh, have a preschool in here and then try to turn that around for trail life in American Heritage right. on a Thursday night. And so it's a lot, it's a lot. So I've thought over the years, it'd be great because just having interaction uh, with a lot of parents, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, do you could recommend any schools? And so to be able to, to recommend a school, um, but go beyond that and partner yeah. with this school yeah, absolutely. And, and what it does for open door is it gives them a, certainly a new, I'll use the word, nobody get fired up. I'll use the word market. <laughs> it gives them a new market. How could you? To to share what's yeah. going on at Open Door and, yeah, and for an sure. opportunity for them to to essentially advertise. Yeah, well, uh, that's the thing is that's why it's so important that we feel comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and the time you spent with Denver of really nailing down, do we align? Do we, you know, what's your mission? What's your vision? All that stuff. Because if it's incompatible, right. then of course we would never want to be a platform for marketing something that, you know, when it comes down to it, if it's incompatible, we wouldn't suggest people participate. But as it stands, there's great unity in our visions and our missions and our, you know, our dedication to doctrinal clarity yeah. and, you know, biblical authority, that kind of stuff. It's and really that time important. with Denver has been fantastic and I would never take away from it, but I had 13 years in that system. Yeah. I had 13 years at that school from kindergarten all the way to graduation. Yeah. And my wife, you know, uh, didn't have that much time, but you know, Rachel went there in, in high school. And, yeah. And so like, I've got the experience there right. and you know, if it was, now, if it is now what it was then, then mm-hmm. I, we we certainly could partner with them. But it provides Open Door with an opportunity to to share and to you know market the school. Yeah, certainly. Um, and that's and for our our people here, it offers them a, a deep discount on tuition yeah. per kid. Yeah, which is really amazing. I mean, yeah. I know there, there's families here that have you know three or four kids that they're yeah. sending to that school. Oh, that it, could be so financially daunting. Like it if, saves them. You know, five, six, seven thousand yeah. dollars to for us to have this partnership, and yeah. so Open Door is very gracious in that. So, part of um, that partnership, uh, we like to bring. I like to bring Denver in and give him an opportunity to to share his heart and yeah. can hear his heart through preaching the word. And so it was uh, exciting to have him in here, and he yeah. talked about um, Jesus's phrase, "I am the light," and he yeah. gives a lot of a lot of great information. And he talked a lot about functions of of light, and, and light helps us see, and light yep. helps us do, and light helps us survive, and light helps us thrive. And yeah. and we kind of ended our time together talking about you know loving the light yeah. as as people and um those words out of John 3:19 where Jesus talks about the light came but people love the darkness right. and how as believers we are to love the light and we do mm-hmm. love the light but we got to love every part of yeah. the light and what the light does in addition to everything else is it exposes our sin and that's a really that's a tough concept to at least for me to wrap my head around of being excuse me, excited for that eventual and <laughs> certainly unavoidable moment where God reminds you of his word and through the power of the spirit starts to convict you of your mm-hmm. your sin. And I think at the core of who I am, I I want that. I yeah. think if I can get through the layers of sin and muck and mire in my own life, I really do want the Lord to 
correct me, rebuke me, train me in, in righteousness. And that's what his word does. It's, those are Paul's words to Timothy, the word of the Lord is living and active. And it's, it's useful for training, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I want those things to happen in my life. But when I'm busted, <laughs> like when I'm initially busted, I feel all that guilt and that shame. And the enemy yeah. likes those things. Right. He likes the guilt and he likes the shame. And he wants to remind me, see, you know, you're no, you're no different. You're not transformed. You're not new. You're not chosen. You don't have, you know, th- that saving faith. And, and those lies begin to, to start. And so embracing the Lord's discipline, which is what the writer of Hebrews tells us to do, like no discipline's fun while it's happening. It's painful, right. but God is disciplining us as a father disciplines a child. Yeah. And we know that that discipline is good as parents. Mm-hmm you know, as a parent, you know that it's good to discipline Addie. And, yeah. and I don't know, Judah, I'm sure, even at this point, is probably oh, up to some hijinks. We are seeing many hijinks. It mostly has to do with when he's not getting exactly what he wants when he wants it. Right. And but he, isn't that he's us? One. <laughs> right, he's one. Yeah. Right, he's one. And I'm you know, going to be 43 in a couple of months. And it's the same thing with me. Like, I'll find that I'm frustrated because I'm not getting what I want yeah. in the timing that I want it. Yeah. And just like Judah does and Henry does and Addie does and most children do, they they think that what they want is the best thing for them. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, what Henry wants is not the best thing for him. I got a voice text this morning that, and Henry's learned how to how to voice text. He, he can hold the button on Rachel's phone or his iPad and he'll send me a, a voice text where I can, it's an audio text, I should say, where I can hear him talking. And this morning he stood, he's got a little drum kit and he has an electronic kit, and he's got an amp mm-hmm. and a speaker. And he decided he was going to stand on that speaker. And I tell Henry all the time, when we use things the way they're not supposed to be used, we either break them or somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. It always happens. And, yeah. of course, he stood up there, and he fell, and he slid under the drum kit. And the drum kit, you know, he got pinned under the drum kit, and he's all kinds of worked up. But he thought the best thing for him to do was to stand on that drum kit. Yeah, And had Rachel you know, seeing him do, and it happens in a split second. You know, we, as parents, we know we turn, we just turn our backs for a second. Yeah. And so it's not that Rachel wasn't doing, you know, uh, her job as a parent. It's that, you know, he's five and he's quick <laughs> and that's just what they do. And so he thought that was the best thing. And of course it didn't, it didn't end well. And I've got my own list of God. This is what I need. This is what I, this is what I want. And this is going to be the best thing for me. And most of the time I fall. And they get pinned under the drum, so to speak. And he's like, no, see, that's not, you don't want this. And so being able to embrace that discipline and him shining a light yeah. on that was what I asked our, our people to do. Good. Um, focus on that and rest in that and then take that into the week this yeah. this week. Really good. So uh, Denver, again, I think did a wonderful a wonderful job and we were very yeah. thankful for him him being here. What yeah. we're going to do today though, again, kind of like we talked about last week is we're not going to get a whole lot of questions probably mm-hmm. from this I am series. And so the questions for the gray series are continuing. Are still showing up. <laughs> yeah. As think, people are digesting even more. Oh yeah. 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 And, and keep them coming. Like, yeah, I mean, sure. this is, uh, I think, um, the, well, this is the reason that we started the podcast during this series mm-hmm. is so that we can have questions come in from, you know, specifically that Grace series. Yep. And, you know, as the Lord leads, we'll have more and more questions kind of coming in. Absolutely. So cool. We shall we these. dive in? We shall. All right. Question one. <laughs> Dear Pastor Dudes. There we are. There it is. Good morning. Love it. 
When it comes to the, quote, dentist rule, four out of five dentists, uh, but in this case, pastors, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. Look at the pastor rule. Four out of five pastors uh, share, crest. A, yeah, recommend crest. share a similar perspective on a topic. How do we navigate conversations when our perspective is in the minority? This is a great question. Mm-hmm. So I asked this with the understanding that the party I might be disagreeing with is a Christian, reads the Bible, shares a similar church doctrine, but comes to a differing conclusion. I have been to seven churches in the last 20 years, college and moving around before laying down roots, where perspectives on worldly items did not always align. In looking at the Gray series, for example, I've listened to similar sermons regarding entertainment, dating, smoking, drinking, etc., but some of the conclusions differ from what Neil presented. Why would you do that, Neil? (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Um, So this is what we talked about on the front end of the Grace series is that anytime you have to piece something together Mm -hmm. from God's word, and there are many things even beyond gray areas that you piece together, eschatology. (laughs) You talk about piecing stuff together. There are three primary views and many other variations of those. Yeah, yeah, and lots of offshoots. And so... We piece things together all the time. Uh, And so we we talked about on the front end that we may not align on some of these things. Uh, Just like four out of five dentists might think that this particular brand or, you know, fill in the blank, this particular product is the best thing for your teeth. Yeah. That you've always got that one dentist out there that's like, well, hang on a second. What about, what about this? And that's, and that's okay. And the reason it's okay is because of these these two words in, you know, our listeners that have been in the church for a while, and this particular listener has, I mean, you've got at least 20 years of faith here, yeah. seven churches over 20 years. There's these terms, right? Essentials mm-hmm. and non-essentials. And essentials is a, we could spend <laughs> the rest of the podcast going into what are essentials and what aren't sure. essentials, but things like these gray areas are more than likely in the non-essential category, with the exception of the sin that takes place within those grades. That's essential. Yeah. Fighting sin, repenting of sin, that's essential. That's a command. Yeah. That's what we got to do. Definitely. But the scriptures don't explicitly list anything as it relates to, we'll just take dating, for example. Right. It gives us marriage guidelines. Yeah. doesn't give us dating guidelines. Yeah. Uh, for me, essentials are... And again, I'm just going to put some big categories out there, sure. understanding that these aren't comprehensive. They're salvific in nature. Yeah, like they they determine um, how how you get to salvation, who mm. who salvation is provided by, yeah. faith, Trinity, you know, all these kind of big yeah. big things. The um, inerrancy of God's word, like these these are essentials. Yeah, dating. I wouldn't classify that as yeah. an essential sexual sin within dating. Now we've got an essential yeah. because if you're intentionally, willfully, deliberately, uh, knowingly sinning, well, that and you and you do that, you've made a practice of that sin. Well, that's a pretty strong indication that there's an obedience issue in your life. And if that continues in perpetuity, then you got to ask yourself, do I really have the Holy Spirit in me? Because wouldn't that spirit be convicting? And so, yeah, this goes into a lot of different. Um, right. I would say offshoots, I'll use that word again, and there's a lot of different roads that we can go down. The question here is, how do we navigate conversations? So I think the first thing to ask yourself is, whatever conversation I'm in, is this an essential or is it a non-essential? Because that's going to determine to an extent how far 
you should take that conversation. Yeah. When it when it comes to essentials, and we'll just we'll break this into two categories. When it comes to essentials, the next thing you have to ask yourself is who is my audience? The person that I'm having this dialogue with, what is their what is their background as far as faith goes? Yeah. Are they a mature Christian? We'll use the word strong, and I'll use that word strong because I'm, I'll juxtapose it with this word weak. And I opened up my Bible to Romans 14. This was kind of the, I would say, section of Scripture we went to quite a bit for the Grace series. Paul opens this up, and he says, as for the one who is weak in faith. Okay, so if you're weak in faith, that means you can be strong in faith. Mm-hmm. Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So non, non-essentials, essentials. If you've got an essential... And you've got somebody that's weak in the faith. What does that mean? And and this is where we can spend, again, a lot of time kind of pulling this apart. Sure. And I'll just give a very bird's eye view of how I understand those two terms. The word faith, when we think of faith, we think of salvation. But there are different types of faith. There There is salvific faith. That's the faith that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, God gives us by grace you've been saved through. Faith, that's that faith. But then there's a faith that Paul talks about and James juxtaposes as well. It almost, it seems like the two are, you know, somewhat arguing, justified by our, our faith, justified by our works. There is a faith that produces works. Yeah. And so that's a living faith. What James says is that it, faith without works is dead. So if there's a dead faith, that means there's a faith that's alive. So the mm-hmm. type of faith that Paul's talking about in Romans 14 here, those that are weak in faith, are just weak in living faith. Mm. In other words, your works aren't matching where your faith is or should be. Mm. This is a person that would say, you know, I have faith, but then there's just no, there's no evidence of that faith. Uh, there's, and I'll I'll kind of juxtapose this again with um, the strong of faith as well. But Romans fourteen, if you've got a person that is weak in faith, that's a person that's not producing a lot of a lot of works. Yeah. That can be for a myriad of reasons. That could be that they're newer in the faith. Um, they and so they don't really they're still getting their sea legs, so to speak. They don't know <laughs> how to serve, where to serve, what to do. Um, they're still learning. Yeah. Not that you ever stop learning, but they're right. they're learning. You know, the basics. They're, they're on the milk. Yeah, so yeah. to speak, they're not on the meat. It and it could be because um, they're just a slow growing plant. Yeah, God gives faith. That's that's what the scriptures teach. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to read Romans twelve too because I think this is this is another one that kind of throws us off in relationship to faith. And again, I I hope you're all tracking with me. I'm kind of piecing all this together. Um, for the by for by the grace given to me, Paul says, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Mm. So God assigns a measure of faith. Well, that can't be salvific either, right? Because you 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 can't be more saved than me, <laughs> like, and I can't be more saved than I'm eighty percent saved, and you are only forty two. Um, it's due to my lack of knowledge in national parks. God's a huge fan of national parks. <laughs> he created the world, Neil. So, again, I hope everybody's tracking with me here. I'm I'm throwing this together really quick because we have other questions to get to, but the kind of faith uh, that we're talking about here 
with those that are weak in the faith is the same faith that that is being discussed by Paul in relation to the measure of faith that's been given. God gives every person a different measure of faith to respond to his word, to his will, and to those works. Now, we can quench that moving of the Spirit in our lives by our sin, and we'll open that up a little bit more later on in relationship to another question. So how it all works is is pretty complex. It's certainly very intricate, but at, at its base, if you are having a conversation with somebody that's weaker in, in faith, they're not producing those that fruit in, in the way that um, a more mature Christian would, would produce, then it's really important to figure out if, if this is an essential or a non-essential, because you don't yeah. want to argue these things over opinions. You don't want to cause division. That's, that's not it. It's different than if you're having a conversation with somebody that's more mature in, sure. in the faith, strong in the faith. And I'll, I bookmarked Titus 3, because here's instruction um, from Paul to Titus, and it's verse 9. We'll start here. Uh, the saying is trustworthy, and the saying that he's talking about there is, you know, kind of be ready for every good work. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. There's that again, right? Mm-hmm. We in the faith devote ourselves to good works. Yep. Christianity is not works-based as far as salvation goes. Right. Works don't get us saved. Works show that we're saved. Right. That's, that's what they do. Uh, go read John 15. Stay tuned for the sermon coming in on week five of the I Am series. We're going to unpack John 15. He, he talks about producing much fruit to prove we're his disciples. Like, yeah. that's proof. That's the proof in the pudding. Yeah. So he says that God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Mm. So this is talking about those mature in faith. Those that are less mature in their faith, they're on that milk. Um, they're not; their faith would be considered weak. They're not producing sure. a whole lot. Oftentimes, yeah. it's a result of not knowing a lot. God yeah. just not revealing that. You're not going to have a conversation about genealogies and quarrels about the law with a person that is new to the faith. It just typically doesn't happen. Sure. So you've got this: those that are weaker in the faith, those that are stronger in the faith. You've got essentials. You've got non-essentials. When it comes to essentials, I think you can have really deep, heavy conversations with those that are strong in the faith, yeah. those that um, are mature in their faith, because they're not going to get all bent out of shape yeah. and get thrown into this spiral of confusion. Yeah, I think confused is a key word there. Right. That that somebody who's weaker in the faith would get thrown into. You start yeah. throwing all these things on somebody that just hasn't been in the faith yeah. or hasn't grown in the faith long enough, yeah. even, even if they've been in the faith a long time, yeah. you're going to wind up confusing them yeah. and you're going to create more problems and, and cause more questions yeah. than the initial question that was being asked or yeah. debated. Absolutely. As far as non-essentials go, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's, you know, you, again, I think you can have deep conversation with somebody that's strong in the faith, but... Those that are weak in the faith, what you would want to probably focus on more is that this isn't an essential thing. Yeah. Like I know right now you're trying to figure out, you know, about dating and I know that's important to you and it's all that, but, but do you have any questions about anything that might be, or can we talk about something that's a little bit more weighty or heavy in relationship to our salvation, you know, living obedient lives to Christ. So just to summarize all that, and I know we bounced around a little bit, how do you navigate conversations when 
our perspective, when your perspective is the minority, figure out if it's an essential or non-essential, figure yeah. out your audience. Is this a person that's weak in faith, meaning either newer to the faith or, and that's why the works aren't being produced or they're just a little bit more slow growing in the faith and that's yeah. why the works aren't being produced. Yeah. God has given them maybe not that measure of faith yet to have those good works being yeah. produced. Remember, we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus too do good works, mm-hmm. the things he's prepared in advance for us to do. Or is your audience that that is strong in the faith? If they're strong in the faith, I think when it comes to the essentials, I think you can have really, really heavy conversations. When it comes to the non-essentials, I think you can have heavy conversations, but just tread lightly yeah. because those things can often just lead to division. Yeah. And always ask yourself the question, what what am I trying to accomplish? Right. <laughs> Why am I having this conversation to begin with? Yeah, Do I good. feel the need or desire to be right? Right. Or am I looking to restore right thinking as it relates to God's word and yeah. truth? If somebody comes up to you and they're like, well, I think Jesus, um, you know, uh, probably didn't die on the cross, but he faked his death. And, and so he you know, that his body that was in there wasn't really his body, which sounds crazy, but that's like a whole school of thought based on some other religions believe that it was, he just fainted um, and didn't actually die. Well, now we've got an essential and then figure out who that audience is. Is that a person that's weak in the faith? Well, more than likely it would be because that ideology probably isn't going to be somebody that's, you know, 20 years in the faith. Um, and is that good soil or probably not going to be led astray by that doctor? Remember that right. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so he's going to try to, it's, it's going to sound really good and really close, but it's going to be just, just off enough to get yeah. you down a, a rabbit trail that is not going to be fruitful or beneficial at all. Yeah. So essential, non-essential, weak and strong. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I think it's good talking about that difference between the strong faith, the weaker faith, all of that. Um, and being mindful of who the audience is, like you talked about, it's so important, you know, is this a essential thing? Because if it's something that's going to threaten someone's salvation, there's more urgency to have that conversation to, to contend for the faith, you know, um, just sit down for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about that. (laughs) So this fourth person, the Trinity, the force, (laughs) we need to talk about that. You know what Trinity means, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, quadrinity. Okay. (laughs) Quadrinity. Is that a real word? It is today. <laughs> it is today. Let's pretend it's a podcast word. Um, <laughs> we just found our new title. <laughs> Quadrinity. Quadrinity. Welcome Quadrinity. <laughs> um, anyways, it, it's so interesting you were talking about that, that difference between essentials and non-essentials, especially when it comes to someone who's newer to the faith. They're going to still be grappling with what does it mean that Jesus is God? Right. Um, you yeah. know, and then you're if you're feeling like their view is wrong on this secondary or tertiary thing that's not affecting their salvation, chances are they're going to come to have a better handle on that later on, trusting that if the Lord is working with them to help establish them in those essentials, they're going to get there eventually, but it's a long road, you know? And so if we're expecting people who are new to the faith to have all of their doctrine in order right off the bat, it's not going to happen. And when it comes down to it, if you get into the weeds enough, even the most seasoned Christian is not going to, none of us have absolutely 100% crystal clear, perfect theology Yeah. until we're dead and in glory right. with the Lord. Yeah. Um, so I just think of it, you were talking, it was just this idea of like almost like wet cement, 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you lay the foundation. It takes time for that to harden and be yeah. ready to build on. So give it time. Take take it slow. And I don't even know if this person is referring to newer Christians. It sounds right, right, right. You know, it could yeah, it that's, could be these are my terms. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyways, just a good discussion. Anyways, All right. well, and I think something to keep in mind as well is that to, to newer Christians, there are certain things that are going to seem like screaming essentials. Sure. That that I think are often related to the rules. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of how Christianity is built. Am and, I allowed to do this? And marketing. Am I allowed That's to it. do that? Yeah. That's it. Am I allowed to do this? And you spend a lot of time focusing on the rules and not as much time focusing on the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when you focus on the relationship, then all of a sudden you start to have a better understanding of things like grace and go, okay. Yeah. I know that I'm to confess. I know that I'm to repent. I know that I'm to do my best. But even the most, to, to borrow your phrase, seasoned Christian sure. is going to sin. Yeah. Like it's not, they're not exempt from it. And yeah. so where I have gotten more comfortable in being wrong in life because of the sheer volume of questions I've had to answer over the years. I've also yeah. gotten more comfortable with accepting God's grace yeah. based on the sheer amount of sins that I've committed. Right. And I don't run to sin. I flee mm-hmm. from sin. Mm-hmm. But but when I blow it, it doesn't send me spiraling anymore. Yeah. And that's, Jesus talks about, you know, giving us joy. Yeah. And that we can share in his joy. And if I'm constantly running around feeling guilty and filled with shame because of my sin, and I can't be filled with joy, you can't Mm -hmm. be both guilty and joyful. And where I, what has been helpful for me to get to, and I haven't gotten there, what has been helpful for me for the spirit to lead me through and lead me to is being more comfortable in accepting God's grace and going, okay, like this is why Jesus came Mm -hmm. because I was going to blow it. I was going to say the wrong thing. I was going to think the wrong thing. I was going to look at the wrong thing. I was going to do the wrong thing. And he kind of knew that was going to happen, which is why he paid the penalty for that. But for a newer Christian, I don't know if I would be so apt to be like, you know, Although you want to teach them the essential of grace and you want them to know that grace is essential, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world for them to examine their behavior Mm -hmm. and be kind of focused on, well, the Bible says I shouldn't get drunk, so maybe I shouldn't go out there and get drunk. Right. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't. Like, that's an okay thing to... And so if someone asks a question like, well, is it okay to, to get drinking? You'll be like, well, that's, I mean, it's an essential, but it's not essential. And there's some gray area. It just becomes so confusing. Yeah. And so to to understand your audience, really know your audience and as much as you can. But again, <laughs> we can know. Jesus says, listen, good trees produce good fruit and bad yeah. trees produce bad fruit. Like you, you can, you can know how a person is living their life. Mm-hmm. You can't know what's happening in their heart. Right, but you can see their actions. Yeah, we can all see people's actions, yeah. and you hope that the actions you see come from a genuine place. But at the end of the day, you know, like you said, having and extending grace to them as well, and recognizing that they're still on milk. This is wet cement. It takes time mm-hmm. to harden. Um, so, helping them to you know focus on those things that are, are essential are are good. Yeah, but not to the point of bogging them down to. In confusion, mm-hmm. like 
<laughs> the doctrine of election is nothing that you should be discussing with a three-month-old Christian. <laughs> Let's sit down. It's time. Man, I know <laughs> what you think you did. <laughs> But, like, you don't want to. <laughs> you didn't ask Jesus into your heart. <laughs> right, yeah. That prayer meant nothing. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, boy. Yeah, but but I mean, to discuss something that heavy yeah. with, with somebody. Yeah. And, and some might disagree with this, and that's okay. Sure. But let's not, again, remember Romans 14, let's not get all yeah. you know, up in arms because mm-hmm. we have a different opinion on these things. Yeah. Cool beans. Great question. Yeah. Moving on. Thank you, listener, dude. Yes. Love <laughs> that. Going back to your sermon about music, I work at funeral at a funeral service, and while driving back to our care center, I like to play music that the family thinks their loved one would enjoy. I do that to honor them. How can I honor them and still follow the Lord's commands? I got to tell you, this is a great question. And, you know, reading this initially... Someone might think, well, this is a pretty easy one to answer, but I have found that some of the most difficult conversations I've had with people have been around death mm-hmm. and funerals. Yeah, um, I've done a lot of funerals, and um, they can be incredibly challenging because people are at obviously and naturally and expectantly um, at a very fragile place. Absolutely. And so wanting to handle them with extreme care is really important. And the old saying, they're in a better place now, is one that is used all the time. And I have done funerals for people that that I could say with a fair amount of certainty as much as I can based on the fruit, based on the fact that a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit, that these were not people that were walking with the Lord. Mm. Do I know the depth of their heart? No. Could they be in glory? Absolutely. I'm okay being wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I would prefer to be wrong on on this. But you can identify. You can identify trees. And so... Having family members and loved ones and friends and coworkers come up and have conversations with me after performing, officiating a funeral and, and leading a, a funeral service, saying things like, well, they're in a better place now. It has never felt right for me, and someone may not like this, <laughs> it has never felt right for me to go, well... <laughs> Right. What's what's the value of yeah. that in that moment? Oh, for sure. I'm not saying if there's not value in it later, yeah. but in that moment. And so I empathize truly with this listener who is, I'm assuming, and this is, you know, a couple of sentences, three, four sentences here, but I'm assuming they're they're driving the family, right. friends or loved ones back to their care center. So these are the people that are experiencing the deep loss and the difficulty of death. And death is difficult. It casts, it's it's a valley, right? Mm -hmm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death casts a shadow and that shadow lands on those often that are left behind. And death is, is a very difficult thing to deal with as finite beings. 
scriptures tell us that precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Yeah. So to God, the death of his children is a is a it's a wonderful thing. It's yeah. how he ushers them into um, that eternal kingdom. But even even in moments where I've done funerals for people that my grandfather, I, I did my grandfather's funeral, mm-hmm. hardest funeral I've ever had to do. Uh, to give you any indication, the relationship I have with my my grandfather, my son is named after him. Yeah. My grandfather is was Russell Henry, mm. and my son is Henry Russell. And this is a guy that, I mean, I just have no doubt because he produced fruit for ninety two years of his life. It was just continual. Yeah. But even even when you um, do funerals uh, for those that are in the faith, you'll often hear things that maybe don't line up doctrinally or scripturally. And so what do you do? In a case like this, here's what I would recommend. Remember what we talked about with music, that it's sinful to listen to secular music when it glorifies sin, when it causes someone else to sin, and when it causes you to sin. And we could add to that anything else on the list. That's not a comprehensive list, but you know, if it's mastered you, all the things, a lot Mm -hmm. of those things that we've talked about. And without having this individual in front of me to ask questions, one of the things I would say, uh, based on this, is it says, and while driving back to our care center, I like to play music that the family. So this seems like a volitional thing. Right. This seems like uh, it's not required by the company that you work for. It's not right. required by the funeral home. Um, I don't know if it's encouraged. But if you're asking this question, it's possible that you might be feeling some conviction in yeah. this area. And then it, the next question you need to ask, well, is this something that I need to offer the families? Right. Is it something that, you know, I could maybe not offer? And I know that's a tough thing to say because just even reading that, it's like, well, you're trying to offer comfort and peace to the family. I understand yeah. that, but at, at what cost yeah. potentially? You could be leading these people to to sin. Yeah. It, you know, it could be, it could be comforting to them. Yeah. I know uh, my grandfather uh, loved this song, Beulah Land. It was this old hymn. And there was this um, moment where he was, you know, on hospice, but he was at home, and my family was sitting around singing that song for him. And he was very un- unresponsive um, near the end, as many are. Yeah. And he was, you know, dying of cancer. And uh, he did sit up at one point. And he just looked at the ceiling was like, I'm ready, Lord. And then he kind of went back down. It's a really sweet moment. But for me now, when I hear that song, um, it doesn't give me comfort. Yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. Um, so you really got to be careful, you know, maybe offering that to people potentially because it may not be offering yeah. the comfort that you think it might be offering. Right. But the first thing I would say is is potentially, is it something that you need to to offer? Yeah. The other thing I would say is, um, it, because some might say, well, you know, First Corinthians nine, Paul says, I became all things to all people, so that some may know Christ, but not at the expense of sin. That's not what Paul was was saying. And so, if you feel like music could offer comfort, who's the God of all comfort? That's our that's our God. It's yeah. Yahweh. Um, so if you want to offer comfort through music, might I gently suggest, you know, 
asking the family, would you like to listen to some music when we drive back to our care center? And if they say yes, then if you're allowed, then play some Christian music. Yeah. Play some very uh, reverent, slow, you know, things that are reflective. Um, songs that, that can offer that comfort and that, and that peace. Yeah. And, and now what you're doing is you're offering that comfort and peace through, you know, God's gift of music that is edifying and, and glorifying to him. So you can make a Christian music playlist. Yeah. Now, all that to say, if the family asks you to play a song, we talked about the song by Adele, Easy On Me, mm-hmm. and how, you know, when you listen to that song, it's a beautiful song, but it's about her divorce. And so that's the song that really glorifies divorce for, you know, no biblical grounds at all. Right. If you're in the car and the family says to you, hey, can we listen to Easy On Me? If it were me, and and again, this is this is a tough thing to say, I think, and some people may disagree with it. I don't think I'd say, okay, well, you know, that song's sinful. Mm-hmm. Y- you can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. You don't really know, I would imagine, particularly if you're, you know, if you're doing the service, maybe you've got some more interaction with this family. You don't know if these people know the Lord or not. And so to say, well, that song's sinful and it's about divorce, all that does is just maybe lend itself to more heartache in their life. There's a difference between offering it, volitionally offering it, and then a family requesting you to do that. I have families um, that have asked me to to bless things. Uh, you know, will you bless, will you bless this? Will you bless that? Will you, will you do this? And I, I'm not necessarily do I feel <laughs> as a pastor uh, super comfortable blessing a building or uh, maybe even a, an event? Yeah. And I'll, I'll, what else, what I will say often is I'll be more than happy to pray for, for you. And yeah. I use that language and this might seem silly and nitpicky, but this idea of blessing, you know, has its roots in, in Catholicism and this idea that I've got some type of mojo that, no, no one else has, and I can ordain this for God. And I don't feel that that's uh, scriptural in any way, shape, or form. But I'll, I'll offer to modify. I'll, I'll pray. I won't be like, well, I'm not going to do that because I think if you're going to, um, you know, ask for a business to be blessed, I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask the Lord to bless it. Yeah, I don't bless it. Right. I don't say I bless this building. I yeah, bless yeah. it. God, will you do these things? And so, again, we may be getting off in the weeds here a, a little bit, but if it were me, and I've actually, you know, I've had to do this with funerals, is you know, kind of find that balance with a very gentle touch of what is dishonoring to the Lord. And if, and if I were driving, uh, you know, people back to a care center and like, hey, can we listen to this Adele song? I personally would just be comfortable receiving, Lord, you know my heart. I just want to love these people. And if I'm blowing it, this is where your grace comes in. Um, I would probably be okay with them listening to that song. Um, and again, there's degrees to that glorifying of sin as, as well. 
Uh, I can't think of a song off a of hand. Well, A, B, C, D, E, F, U by Gail. <laughs> we talked yeah. about that. And they're like, can we listen to that? I would probably say, well, I'm not comfortable listening to that, to that song. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, you know, it's a sin. I would just say I'm not comfortable yeah. playing with that. I, you know, that song has a lot of suggestive language and things like that. The song Easy On Me, well, are you classifying sin? No, sin is sin. But there is more overtly glorifying, and again, we have to share in one another's burdens and kind of move with a very gentle touch right. here. And um, I'm okay being wrong with this because my intent is to love the love people, and the Lord certainly yeah. knows knows my heart and the depths of wickedness to it. But He also, I pray for Him to create in me a clean heart and a pure heart. And so I hope that trying to love people that way would be okay. Yeah, and I'll have to answer to the Lord for for my position on this certainly. But what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I don't I don't think it's super cut and dry, but when it mm-hmm. comes down to it, is that what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. You know, what's your purpose in you know, and that's not what this person is saying. Um, you know, but kind of that's that extreme moment of, or example of, well, this, you know, this song is sinful or whatever. It's just like do you really honest like what are your motives? Because if your motive is to convince them to issue sin and and embrace righteousness and righteous music uh in this example you know that's not the place or time to have that conversation yeah you know their brain their heart their emotions all none of it is there for that conversation so how do you minister to these people in a very gentle way and i think i agree with you man i think when it comes down to it, if your heart is in the right place, if you're, if you're even in the place where you can discern like, okay, this song is, we've talked about this on that podcast episode a few back of you're in a good place. If you can discern that this song is not biblical, yeah, but it's not going to lead me to sin. Um, and this isn't the place or time to have a conversation about that sin with right. these people. Right. If your job allows it, you're within, I think you're within your right to, and you might need to think on this and figure out a really winsome way of saying this that's gentle and kind, but mm. saying kind of like what you said is like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that song or, yeah. or I mean, would it be okay if we listened to this instead? Yeah. Um, sure. I, yeah. I mean, there might be a, it depends on your role. It yeah. depends on your relationship to the people. I mean, there might even be, I, I think a lot of people walking through grief like that don't really know how to be. Oh, uh, yeah. They have no idea, like, should we act this way? Should we act happy and celebrate right. the life? Should we be right. sad? Am I, am okay? I being Can disrespectful laugh by right laughing? Now, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I think there might even be room for you to redirect and Lead say, some of that. yeah, and, and maybe if there's a gentle way of saying, you know, I, I don't know if that song would be really appropriate, but what if we did this instead? You know? Right. Because I don't, I don't necessarily. Again, everyone's different, so someone might take offense at that, or other people might thoughtfully be like, "Yeah, I didn't even think about that. You're right. That would yeah. be an. You just don't know. So you know, you're gonna have to use some discernment and you know, trust the Holy Spirit to lead you in this. But, um, yeah, I think if if at all possible to honor the family, but also avoid the sin. Yeah, do it. Um, but again, I think ultimately if, you know, this is a job requirement, if, you know, there's so many things that we just don't know by this question. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I think, I think it's been communicated. Yeah. <laughs> so I, end yeah. of life stuff is really, really difficult. I've, I had, um, I did a funeral once and I had a person come up to me that was a pastor afterwards that I had never met before, but they introduced themselves to me as a pastor. Mm. 
and the first words out of their mouth where you missed a huge opportunity. Oh boy. Because I didn't give a gospel presentation at the funeral. And I had spent a fair amount of time with the family and um, knew the individual mm-hmm. um, who passed away and um, had opportunity to hear from that individual as to what they wanted for their service. And I tried to honor that mm-hmm. as well and um, to steamroll, uh, you know, a three-point evangelical message. And the idea behind that was, well, there's no better time to, you know, tell people or talk about eternity than at a funeral because, you know, someone has just died and so they're contemplating their own mortality. And, and, and that's all, that's all true. And right. I have done gospel presentations at funerals right. I, I because the family requested or... Yeah. I had another one that the person I had opportunity to speak with them before they passed and they're like, you go for it. Yeah. And so I just try to honor primarily the Lord, certainly, yeah. but then honor the people yeah. and the family as well and honor their wishes. Yeah. And you can still spread a lot of seed uh, for the truth of God's word and, and the gospel message without telling people, you know, if you were laying in that casket today, do you know if you'd be in heaven or hell? And, so some of it is preference. I think it is not cut and dry. It's not black and white. These are really challenging things to navigate. Yeah. It's not like a, a wedding, yeah. you know, where it's filled with a lot of celebration and joy and it's all the new and what's next and what's going to come. It's the yeah. finality of things yeah. on this earth for people. And so wanting to love them and care for them. And this is this listener does a great job. How can I honor them and still follow the Lord's commands? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. That's really good. And I think it's just figuring out, you know, kind of those things we already talked about. Do you, yeah. do you need to play it? Is there something else you could play? Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that we are to honor the Lord first. Yeah, and so absolutely. That, that needs to be first, but the yeah. Lord has also put you in a position uh, that he knows is incredibly difficult for people to walk through, which yeah. is yeah. the end of, uh, of life for a loved one. Yeah, and sure. as a result, it's difficult for you to navigate too because you're now in some sort of relationship with these right. to these people. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's good yeah I think about it too. Just, you know, we think of, one of the things to think about is like these people are, they're probably one of, if not the most fragile state that they will be in their life. Mm-hmm. They will remember their interaction with someone who treats them poorly or they perceive treated them poorly and then ties it to Jesus. Right. The problem with that is that they can't hold, you know, people can't hold that over your head and say, well, you got to do whatever I want or I'm going to think poorly about Jesus. That's not how it works either. So no. you ha- there's a balance to it. But I think you, it really calls for just using wisdom and, you know, just if you genuinely are, are you know, empathizing, loving uh, these people um, and trusting the Lord in that, I think you'll land in the right place. So, yeah, anyways, that's good. Great question. All right. Here we go. Last question. You have something to say, don't you? Before we read the... I do, yeah. So (laughs) for the second week in a row, we'll give a kind of a parental advisory. If you are a uh, kid and you're listening to this, we're going to get into some pretty adult themes. This is a very adult question as it relates to um, sex. And so, again, I would encourage you to... Uh, turn this off, hit pause, and go grab a parent and let them know what you're about to listen to. Mom and Dad, if you're listening to this, I think this is increasingly important for you to listen to yeah. and maybe grab your 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 kids, particularly your older ones, if you've got them, you know, uh, right around eight, I think is a good place to start <laughs> statistically. Um, and 
talk to them about uh, this thing that we're going to talk about here. But again, yeah, just a, a little warning. The, the things we're going to talk about here over the next 20 minutes or so are going to be sexual in nature and very sensitive. Yeah. So be right. warned. Here we go. Question three. Is self-gratification a sin? I don't have specific thoughts about anyone or use uh, or use pornography anymore. This is a very good question, and it's I'm very glad that somebody asked this question. I think this is a question that a lot of Christians uh, have that they feel uh, for one reason or the other, whether it's embarrassment, um, just the the awkward nature of the sure. the topic. They don't feel comfortable asking. So self gratification, a sin. We're talking about masturbation. That's what we mean by self gratification. Right. So is it? sinful for a man or a woman to masturbate. And this individual goes on to say, I don't have specific thoughts about anyone or use pornography anymore. And I've got a pile of things written down. Um, Lord, I ask that you help me (laughs) order this in a way that is understandable. I jotted just a bunch of notes down. I'll start with um, sexual sin. Sexual immorality, the way that I defined sexual immorality for the Grays series was any thought, any sexual thought or sexual action that takes place out of God's design for sex. God's design for sex is one man, one woman in the bonds of marriage. That's it. And so within this, there are, I think, a lot of people that for one reason or the other, whether it's uh, Christians asking, young adults asking as um, you know they're single and start to get these urges, whether it's, again, adults asking because they're married and maybe a spouse is dealing uh, with some type of uh, physical ailment that prevents sexual activity from taking place. You've got uh, one partner that has a higher sex drive, like we talked about last week, than than another, or feels more sexual than another, again, because those drives can be very similar. Um, If you've got a partner that's not as interested in sex, but but one uh, just desires more of it, there's just a lot uh, in relationship to this question. Is it ever permissible to masturbate. And I'll start with what I believe the answer is, and then I'll try to offer some scriptural defense for Mm. this. I think the answer is no. I think the answer is no. I don't think that God's design for sex and sexual activity uh, between one man and one woman, I don't think that that honors the Lord when we we masturbate, when we self-gratify. In my and I'm okay being wrong here. <laughs> in my opinion and in my understanding of God's word, that is that is sex outside of marriage. Now, right away, if somebody, and let me talk to those that are married uh, for now, right away, somebody that's married is going to say, you know, well, what if I think of my wife? What if I think of my husband while I, while I do this? You know, my wife is dealing with uh, some type of issue and she can't be sexually active or my husband just doesn't seem to be interested in me anymore. Um, and this is this is a a much <laughs> more relevant topic than anybody wants to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the stats that I got and, and these are the stats that I've had, you know, over the years, um, but 91 percent of men will masturbate in their lifetime. 
those stats I talked about a, a couple of, I think it was last week about how 61% of men masturbate regularly and around 40% of women regularly. That's, that's weekly. Yeah. That's a weekly stat, but okay. in their lifetime, 91%. And this is, um, this comes from uh, the New York Post and the University of Chicago did a study. And mm-hmm. so this in the New York Post shared this study. So 91% of men will masturbate in their life. 78% of women will masturbate. This is this is far reaching. Yeah. So this is very relevant. This is very topical. Nobody wants to talk about it because it's very awkward. Sure. And it's a very personal thing. Yeah. I believe that um, that argument of well, what if I think of my wife or what I, what I think of my husband, I think, first of all, that that is a that's pretty it's a pretty shaky argument because one of the things that i would ask um is this the version of your wife that you're thinking of is it the Mm. version you have now does she do the same things does she look the same way Mm. is it the younger version of your wife that maybe was a little bit more adventurous is it a version of your wife um, that looks a little bit different? The husband that you're imagining right now. Is it the husband you have right now? Is it the 55-year-old husband that you've been married to for 30 years whose hair is maybe thinning and he doesn't get to the gym as often anymore? Is it that? Is that the guy you're mm. picturing? Is that the version? Yeah. Or is it the 20-year-old um, Air Force guy who is ripped and in shape? <laughs> And so, and and I say that because that's still fantasizing. Right? Is the wife you're picturing? Does she does she do things in your thoughts that she maybe doesn't do mm-hmm. in real life? Is your husband more adventurous in your thoughts? Like we're we're fantasizing. We're building a fantasy that is not God's design for sex to create a a fantasy version of your husband and and wife. Mm. Now, that goes on perhaps for some to go, well, no, it is the version of my wife that I have now, and it is the version I have my husband now, so why is that wrong? I believe, again, that that's still sex outside of the marriage. The wife or the husband becomes an object. Mm. They are an object of sexual desire. They are not a subject participating in sexual activity and so you're objectifying that's that's outside of um outside of the marriage yeah now let's talk to singles uh for a second and we'll just kind of you know kind of jockey back and forth i think there is zero scenario where it is permissible and and I can see here the emails coming in. <laughs> <laughs> They're being typed at this They're moment. <laughs> They're being typed at this moment because somebody inevitably has read a study somewhere. Somebody who is, uh, partakes in, in masturbation and self-gratification has read a study somewhere. And more dudes have read this study statistically. Like this is not, again, I'm not discounting sure. women, 78% of women. Like this is not a small percentage. Yeah. This, is the this whole, isn't a man thing. No, it isn't just a man thing. But let me just talk to the guys for a second. Guys, somewhere you read a study that it's healthy for you to masturbate. And you read a study that if you don't ejaculate, that it's bad for your prostate. And it actually increases your risk of prostate cancer. There's all of this, all of these studies out there and um, I'll air quote here, studies out there that would say that it's healthy to masturbate. Um, so let's just take that 
let's just take let's say that that let's say that that was true and if you really read the studies the studies are inconclusive you can get a study to say whatever you needed to say to do sure. whatever you want it to say right. so you can do what you want to do right the studies are shaky so i encourage you go go to google there's plenty of information out there go go check out the studies but let's careful say that, what you google <laughs> yes <laughs> I know. I was as I was studying. You know, I've studied, uh, preached many sermons on porn oh, and sure. all this sort of stuff. And we've got software at the church that blocks <laughs> certain words. Oh yeah. So I'm like Bob. I can't study for this sermon because everything's blocked. Oh <laughs> man. So it's challenging. But yeah, certainly be careful and be careful what you Google. Um, but you can again get a study to to say anything. But let's say that that was true. Yeah. Let's say that that was true. So. The scriptures say that sex is permissible inside of a marriage. One man, one woman mm-hmm. involved together in person. Right. That's that's what it is, right? Yeah. Not an object, but a subject involved in sexual activity. But you don't want to get prostate cancer. So you're going to go ahead and self-gratify to avoid getting prostate cancer. But who decides if you get prostate cancer, Jared? I think it might be God. I think it is God. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to disobey God. Yeah. In his design, you're going to go against his design in order to prevent yourself from getting a disease that only the guy who you're disobeying can give you. You see where the breakdown in the logic sure. is there. But I, I digress. I, that's not true. Yeah. There, are no, there are no studies. In fact, if you read, what you'll find is that nobody can really say um, that it's unhealthy for a person to abstain from any sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Let me go a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, particularly, and again, I'm talking to guys still. What your body does, because some guys are like, "Well, I just have to. I just have to." And 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 certainly, if there's an increase in testosterone, you're going to feel those urges, and it can be a difficult thing. But what your body does is it takes care of that at night. It has a mechanism. It has built a in. mechanism built. It's in. almost like God thought of this. It is precisely as if God thought. Strange, right? <laughs> right. So that's what a nocturnal emission is. Sure. And that's a, and by the way, these aren't just things that men have. Women have nocturnal emissions as well. And it operates the same way. There's a stimulus um, that happens, um, you know, in, in the brain. It's a biological thing and it's something that you cannot prevent. You just can't prevent it. And if your body needs to do if you as a man if your body needs to ejaculate for some reason and again i'll say need very loosely because most of the studies that i've read and i'm sure there's one out there that i haven't read have talked about that there is no specific need it's not a biological need it is more of a mental and emotional and uh physical neurological pathway that we've built uh, as far as pleasure goes, sure. but your body will correct that. As a woman, you'll have a, a nocturnal e- emission, and a man will have one as, as well. But I think the idea that the science supports for healthy sexual function and health in general, um, that self gratification is is a is a vital part of that. That's that's shaky science. That's not mm. that's not good. And it doesn't matter what the science says; it's what the scriptures say. Yeah. And what you see in scripture is a sexual, any sexual activity takes place in, in the marriage. So we've got some um, scriptures I want to talk about. First uh, Corinthians 6, obviously, this is the big, the big one here. So all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, starting in verse 12, by the way. 
but I will not be dominated by anything. So we talked about this in the Grace series about being mastered by yeah. something. If you want to create a master in your life, then self-gratify. What you'll do, and there's lots of studies out there that show, particularly for you know whether you're single or married, that if you start to condition your body to feel that feeling and you start to condition your body to be um, sexually active based on that singular self-stimulus that you will create a neurological pathway and it will be difficult for you to course correct once you do get in a healthy marriage or if you are in a marriage, it's going to be difficult. The stimulus has to change. This is why sexual perversion not only runs rampant but is getting more perverted over time. Right. This is why, you know, if you uh, know anything about pornography, pornography in what's available in pornography is not just a man and a woman having intercourse. Normal sexual intercourse. That's not what's available. Everything's available. Because over time, what was once stimulating is no longer stimulating anymore. You become desensitized. Just like you do with TV and movies and music. We've desensitized ourselves to these things and we can't even recognize sin anymore. The same thing happens sexually. Happens on a chemical level. Happens in the brain. All of a sudden, we we masturbate and that's how we come to, I'll say, sexual completion. And we've created a neurological pathway. And now, anything that varies from that might require a more intense stimulus and you can start to build perversion on on, on perversion. Right. All things are lawful, not all things. You don't want to be dominated by that. He goes on to talk about food. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who has, and, and this is so interesting, he's talking about two becoming one flesh. Yeah. If you are by yourself, you are one. Mm-hmm. You're not becoming one flesh yeah. with any, there are not two, it's it's just one. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her for as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? There's that verse. Within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. Mm. So glorify God in your body. Yeah. Your body was purchased by the body that was broken and the blood that was shed on the cross. It was purchased by Jesus' sacrifice. He purchased your body, not just your soul. Yeah. You know, we think in in it he purchased your soul too. He bought you, all of you, yeah. with a price. But he purchased your body. For you were bought with a price to glorify God in your body. I don't think it glorifies God to self-gratify. I think that is taking what God has designed for uh, a picture. God gave us sex as a picture of his intimacy Mm -hmm. between Christ and the church. Christ is the groom. The church is the bride. So there's there's our picture for procreation to make kids, to populate the earth, and for pleasure. Yeah. He did give us 
sex for pleasure. How do we know that? Because it's pleasurable. Yeah. And he designed our bodies. When we start to use sex outside of these things, I think we're in very, very dangerous territory because no sin affects the body more than sexual sin. This person writes in, I don't have any specific thoughts about anyone or use pornography anymore. Let me talk about this for a minute. It is, in my experience, nearly impossible to use pornography for any length of time and use it as a means to to masturbate and then somehow be able to not use pornography, whether it's a screen or whether it's images in your head, to do that same act. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible. But it's it's nearly impossible. And there, there is this kind of idea floating out there, particularly in, and this is talked about more amongst Christians than some might think, that you can just focus on the feeling and it is just a purely physical response. There's a stimulus and there's a completion. But once again, if that were possible, and it is highly unlikely, it just is, it's highly unlikely. If that were possible, you are now continuing to do more damage to your views of sex and your body's response to sexual stimulus. If you've reduced sex to just a physical stimulus that ends in completion, now you've taken that gift that God has given us, designed for a man and a woman to build intimacy so the two can become one flesh, so they can procreate, so they can experience pleasure together. You've reduced that to just an act. It's an act. It's almost nearly... An involuntary response, in a sense, it's it's like breathing. It's just what your body does. You mm-hmm. stimulate this area, and then you orgasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not God's design for sex. That's not why He gave us sex. So, in my estimation, and again, in my opinion, and based on what I know of God's Word, um, just even you know, looking at First Corinthians, six, you know what we'll do? I want to take a look at Mark eight too, real quick, before I wrap this up. Do it. I think Mark 8 is really important. I don't have enough bookmarks in this Bible, just just one. So Mark 8, uh, we'll start in verse 32, 33. Is this it? So yeah, Jesus is foretelling his death and his resurrection here. And I'll start in verse 31, and he gives some context. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> you got to love Peter. <laughs> it's just no sense sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I kind of disagree with what you were saying. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, but turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not settling your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling to the crowd, 
to him and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So I like this scripture because it talks about that idea, and it's a well-known verse, right? Take up your cross and deny yourself. Yeah. Deny yourself. Because what will often happen is we'll get into this topic of sex, and we'll, we'll go, well, the science is I need to, to masturbate, and I'm not in a healthy marriage, and you know my wife's ill, my husband's ill, or we've got different sex drives, and mm-hmm. yada, 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 and how am I supposed to abstain from this? How can I do this? You know, This is how I'm built. This is a natural thing. But then you read this, and you go, well, hang on a second. This might be part of the cost. This might yeah. be your cross. This might be your cross to bear. Yeah. This might be the way that you have to deny yourself. This might be the sacrifice that God calls you to. Well, how can I do it? What do you mean, how can you do it? The same way you do anything through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If you think the Holy Spirit of God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, but he can't help you not masturbate, then you don't know the Holy Spirit very well. Yeah. Like This is not an area that you cannot... Uh, conquer through the power of the Holy Spirit. This right. isn't an area where God is like, you know, listen, Corinthians ten thirty one. we talked about it last week, like, you know, you're going to get tempted and I'll give you an escape route except for the masturbation stuff. Like, there's nothing I can do for that, guys. It's just the way you're wired. <laughs> yeah. And it's healthy for your prostate and, you know, women, it's good for you as well. No, that's not it. This yeah. isn't the, this isn't the exclusion right. to, to everything. Now, some would, are going to completely disagree with this and sure. say that they don't see any problem with it. But I don't know anybody that can self-gratify, not lust. Yeah. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. At some point, even if it's a split-second thought, mm-hmm. it comes in there. And again, if you're married in the argument about your husband or wife, I think about well, what version? Yeah. What version? Besides the fact that I don't think that that's what God designs. Yeah. Sex for, that's not what the scriptures yeah. teach. Yeah. Um, so... Is it is self gratification a sin? I I think it is, yeah. and I I would encourage anybody listening to avoid it yeah. at all costs. And trying to toe the line here <laughs> a, a little bit, but you know I am one of the ninety one percent. Sure, I have self gratified before. I have used sure. pornography to do it. Um, I have used thoughts to do it. I've 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 done it. I've been there. Um, As a young man, I remember, I remember having those thoughts like this is uncontrollable. It it felt uncontrollable. And I had justified to myself, you know, in my twenties, well, at least I'm not having real sex with women. And that's, that's bad. All I was doing was building these. and, And I was a guy that would think about things or watch things. I was creating a scenarios that didn't they were not real. Yeah. They're not real. Yeah. It's not the movies. Kids that want to get married and you've watched pornography and you think your husband and wife are going to go bonkers in the bedroom. Like it's, that's not real. That's, yeah. that's acting. And I'm not saying it's not enjoyable. I'm not saying it's pleasurable. I'm not saying you don't have fun, certainly. But what is available to us and what we consume and this idea that, you know, as a young man, that women are just walking around, just going to pounce on top of me because they they need me so badly. That's a lie. Mm. That's not how it works. And I and I fed that lie, and that lie grew large. And then when I got married, my poor wife had to experience me untying those knots and going, "Well, wait a second. Turns out I lied to myself about mm. this for a lot of years. Yeah. 
and and I had to, I had to almost deconstruct. Mm. <laughs> That's a popular word, right? Yeah. I had to deconstruct what I had built yeah. as far as sex goes. And Rachel and I have been together for 17 years and I'm still having to deconstruct mm. that in my life. Still, sexual sin is an incredibly challenging sin. It is an incredibly consuming mm-hmm. sin. It is an incredibly lonely sin. And it is a sin that the enemy, he will bury you with it. He'll bury you with it. And one of the lies, and this is kind of throwing back to what I talked about earlier yeah. of the enemy, is that you will never be able to get these thoughts. You'll never be able to, I would say, hold these thoughts captive. Mm. That there's, you're just going to feed. Now, can you hold all your thoughts captive? Certainly, I think you can. I think the Holy Spirit can do that. Has he done that in my life? Not yet. But I am holding more thoughts captive now than I ever have in my life because of the grace of God. And when I do have those moments where I blow it, where I have a thought, or I'll view something that I shouldn't view, whether it's on a screen or whether it's in my brain, I don't let it wipe me out. I accept God's grace. Failure is a part of living life as a Christian. If failure wasn't a part of it, then we don't need Jesus. But the rate of failure needs to be less over time. If you're not making progress in this area, then get help. Mm-hmm. Reach out to reach out to me. Send me an email. Yeah. S- send Jared an email. Yeah. Like we're more than happy to have these conversations and to recommend I mean this is the best book to recommend, but there are some other great yeah. resources out there Absolutely. that can help men and women get a hold of sexual sin. This sin is incredibly dangerous and it can master you in, in, I mean, it can master you in weeks. I think in weeks, I don't, this is not something that takes years and years and years and years. It happens quickly. I've, I abused pornography for years and years, self-gratified for years and years, even in marriage, self-gratified and am finally at a place in my life where I feel more pure and clean before the Lord. Mm. But I don't think you can self-gratify without lust. What are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you. I It's just, it's so interesting to me as you're talking, and you make so many great points, but I just, I think about the fact that you were talking about... Um, you know, how the enemy wants to use sexual sin to get to us. And like you said, bury us in guilt and shame to isolate us. What is more isolating, especially in a marriage, right? Than to be by yourself sexually. Yeah. What's more lonely than that? Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, going back to it, you know, what is sex for? Yeah. It, It, even on a chemical level, you were talking about the neural pathways that it creates. God designed that to bind you to your spouse, to, right. to 
to help you come together to celebrate the intimacy that you have before the Lord, unashamed, naked, together, um, and all the things that come along with that. And so to take that and go to a private place where you're by yourself is just, it sounds so depressing compared to the beauty of what God has designed it for in the marriage bed with another person who freely is giving themselves to you as you give yourself to them. Um, we talk about, you know, even the idea of what if I think of my spouse, does that make it okay? Well, no. Right. If you're with a prostitute and you think of your spouse, does that make it okay? Is that right. the, is that the part that, that matters is where your thoughts are, you know? And so I just think about, as you were kind of discussing, I was just thinking about the fact that we want to take the good gifts of God and dismantle them into pieces and take the pieces that we like and leave the pieces that we don't like. Well, with this, we want to take the part of self-gratification, the, the good feelings, the doing things our way, imagining things the way we want them to be. We want that to be there, but we want to leave marriage on the table and say, yeah, I don't want that part. <clears throat> um, you know, I think as a guy, this is somewhat stereotypical, stereotypical. And I mean, you're into all the research and stuff. So, I didn't research this, so I don't know where the truth lies in this. But stereotypically, it's a stereotype for a dude to to get in bed with his wife, be done in a minute, and his wife is laying there like, well, what about me? Sure, yeah. I don't know how much of a stereotype that is. What I know about myself and other guys I've talked to is like, yeah, that doesn't sound like that's far-fetched. Yeah. The reality is that sex isn't about you. Mm. It's not. It's about your marriage. It's about connection. You and your spouse together. Yeah. Dare I say it's about God. Yeah. It doesn't belong to you. You know, so for you to go into a marriage or even as a single person, for you to say, you know, I'm not there yet, but I want this part of marriage. And this is why I say, like, what are you doing living together? People make the argument like, oh, we're not having sex. You're taking a component that's meant for life together, whether it's sexual, that intimacy of life together, of being knit together into one flesh, whether that's just proximity, whether that's building your life together, whether, you know, so you can say we're abstaining, but we're living together as boyfriend and girlfriend. You're taking a component that's meant for marriage and life together in the union that God has ordained in the family and saying, you know, I'm not going to do those other things, but I want this part. You don't get to do that. God owns it all. God ordains it all. And he tells us what we're allowed to do with his stuff. He bought it. Yeah. (laughs) He bought it with his blood. Yes. I mean, it was his to begin with. Right. He paid twice. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. We think about that. He created, and then we blew it so bad that he sends his son to buy it all, buy it all again. And that's the thing, like in that moment, I mean, I can ruin masturbation pretty quick for people. In that moment, think about Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Like he bought your body so that you could do that yeah. with it. And there are going to be some that are going to disagree with this completely. And, oh, totally. And, and are going to continue to self-gratify. And let me offer this warning. You are juggling chainsaws. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You're juggling chainsaws. It will be a matter of time. Before you get hurt. Yeah. Why even push that boundary? It It is literally like doing a drug. That's how it works in the chemistry of your brain. Like right. you said, 
you are training your brain to prefer being alone than to be with your spouse. Or if you're single, you are training your brain to say it's better when you're by yourself because right. you really know you know what you like, sure. or you know what you want to think about or right. how, you know. And so you get into marriage and you find, like you said, it's not like what I imagined it'd be. No. It's this doesn't this doesn't match up with my fantasies. There's this other person and they have feelings too, and it's not all about me. Right. Um yeah, you know, and, and, and it's it's a byproduct of love. Yeah. Like in, you know, this and kind of that difference that we talked about last week between, you know, men and women and their sex drives and women being more environmental in context is what, you know, arouses them. And, and guys, it's just that visceral stimulus. And again, those are generalizations. And I know that there's nuance, you know, among people and differences among people within that. But it's just this, for for guys. It just it is so often just this carnal pursuit of mm-hmm. just get it get it done. And this is what it, there's no care. There's no love. There's yeah. not honoring your wife. Like there's no right. way you can read the Song of Solomon right. and come away with well, I should be in the bathroom with my cell phone. Right. Like that's how that's how sex was designed. Or yeah. Or I should be you know in the bedroom alone. Yeah. While my family's out of the house and I'm just gonna think of my husband. Yeah. Um you know, the version he is now, like it's, that's not God's, that's not God's design. And like you said specifically about pornography is that it builds over time um, in terms of perversion. Right. Um, And that's why I say it's like a drug because as we all know, there's the law of diminishing returns that happens that eventually, you know, specifically when it comes to uh, more intense drugs, um, you know, you think about cocaine, uh, heroin just think about alcohol alcohol even you need more alcohol alcohol even yeah you need more over time to get that same feeling right until you get to the point that it that's how people drink a case of beer yeah how can you drink a case yeah of beer why would you drink a case of anything yeah like i would never be like hey that's just like a lot of liquid i don't even know how you fit (laughs) that in your body (laughs) right well it's an addiction yeah so and sexual addiction is is and yeah. I want to be careful with that word addiction. Right, that's another I, yeah, conversation for another for sure. podcast. Um, you know, there's habit and addiction. I think yeah. we need to be very careful with that. Yeah. Uh, certainly, but there is addictive behavior. They're right. very, very similar. And so over time, like you, you will, you will get, you will yeah. get burned yeah. because it's not God's design. Right. And listen, I tell Henry, when you use things the way they're not supposed to be used, you either break them or somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. If you use sex the way it's not supposed to be used, you're either going to break the sexual mechanism that God gave you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to understand it anymore. Yeah. You're you're not going to be able to function normally anymore. Yeah. Or somebody's getting hurt. Yeah. And everybody's getting hurt. Yeah. If you are single, if you're a single guy out there and you are masturbating and you haven't met your wife yet, you are affecting her. Yes. Right now. Right. The decisions you're making now are going to affect your marriage. Yep. If you are a single woman out there and you are masturbating, you are affecting your future husband. Yep. If you are in a marriage and you're a man and you're masturbating, you are affecting your wife. Mm-hmm. Listen, I had I had days where I would self-gratify, use pornography, and Rachel would come home and I would just be edgy mm. and short. And I would be taking out my sin and frustration on her. Mm-hmm. And it affected our intimacy, yeah. not just sexually, yeah. emotionally. 
Yes. Mentally. Like it can't, no one escapes. No. If you think that you can do this and mess with this and that everything's going to be fine, you are lying to yourself. You have bought the lie from the father of lies who's told Mm -hmm. you. I mean, did he really say you can't do that? I mean, he's yeah. been doing the same thing since the beginning. Yeah. Like, he just, he twists, and he mm-hmm. just lies, and we go, oh, well, at least it's not fill in the blank. At least I'm not going to a real right. prostitute. I mean, at least I'm not cheating on my wife. At least I'm not. But you are. Mm-hmm. You are. That's what Jesus says in Matthew. Don't even look at a woman lustfully. Yeah. Like you ever said, don't commit adultery. Don't even look. Yeah. At another person lustfully, because if you've yeah. done that, you've committed adultery yeah. in your heart. Take those thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways you can take those thoughts captive is to confess those things to one another. Yeah. If you're a guy, find another guy. Yep. And and confess. And oftentimes, and this would be my my recommendation. A lot of times, guys will f- will find guys, other guys, and it's difficult to find one that doesn't. But my recommendation for you, if you're a, uh, a man and you're struggling or a woman struggling with pornography or struggling with uh, self-gratification is find somebody who's not struggling as bad. Yeah. Find somebody, and these are going to yeah. be hard conversations, but find somebody who's not struggling as bad. Mm-hmm. If you find somebody that's struggling just as bad as you, you you will make too much allowance for one another's faults. Oh my goodness, yeah. You'll just be like, I did it again. Well, I did too. All right. Let's keep praying and we'll right. try better. Right. And that's what it turns into. These yeah. accountability groups and accounting, it's just a bunch mm-hmm. of hogwash. It's yeah. a, it's You're surrounding yourself with people that are not further on down that road. Yeah. They, they can't they, they can't really um, you know hold you accountable because they're not holding themselves accountable. That's right. And is an accountability partner going to change everything? No. But no. it's certainly not going to hurt. It's yeah. it's going to help. Plans yeah. fail for lack of counsel with many advisors. They succeed. Yeah, if you're able to walk with someone who's been there, who has found freedom, who has found victory, and can can walk with you, well, you're going to find someone who can speak with you in a way that they actually do understand. Right. But two can actually help you direct your steps. Of it's not going to be the oh I don't know what we can do other than let's just try harder. You know yeah. it's no you when you're in it it feels hopeless. It feels like you're never going to be free. It feels like you're never going to get out. It feels like there's no way out. And so you might as well just bury it and cover it up and just keep staying isolated and because it's never going to change. That's yeah. the lie, right? You know. But the truth is, you can find freedom. You can have victory in this area, and the Lord wants to deliver you out of that. There is a path forward for you. And that's the hope that we have. And so when you can find someone who's walking that path, who can say, Hey, listen, like, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're going through because I was there myself. And here's what the Lord did in my heart. Here's what the Lord did in my life. And here are the tool, the tools that he provides us to get out, to help us come out. Um, you're going to find that you can come out into the light as well. You're not a prisoner no, it's going to be it's going to be awkward. You're going to have be some awkward. It's hard conversations. It's going to be difficult, especially when, you know, if you need to have a discussion with your wife and let her know what's been going on. And that's the thing you have to. You have Guys, to. if you're doing this, you have to confess. You have to. But but let me say this as well. Wives, ask your husbands. Yeah. Ask your husbands. Mm-hmm. You know, are you are you lusting? Are are you involved in any sexual activity outside of our marriage? Mm-hmm. Husbands, ask your wives. I know we think this is a guy problem. It's yeah. it's not just a guy problem. I mean, the numbers are a little heavier on the male side, but sure. this is a this is this is a human problem. This is a sin problem. Husbands, ask your wives: Are you involved in any sexual activity, any sexual thoughts outside of our marriage? Ask. Mm-hmm. 
those of you that are that are younger, talk to your parents. Parents, ask your kids. Yeah. I mean, the, you know the old sex talk, right? That's that's how that's how it was always labeled, right? Um, you know, parents, you gotta have sex talk with your kid. I mean, when Rachel and I were having it, she's like, "You're gonna have the talk with the talk." What is it? The talk, yeah. right? And I understand what the talk is about the sure. birds and bees and all that sort of stuff, but the talk is not a one-time thing, parents. Right. It's not a one-time thing. Parents, if you've got a 16-year-old boy, talk to him. Mm-hmm. If you've got a 14-year-old girl, talk to her. Talk to your teens. Mm-hmm. Talk to your preteens. Yes. Kids start engaging in sexual activity on average at age eight. Eight is when the majority of kids view their first pornographic image. Oh. Eight years old. And I am a stat. I saw my first pornographic image at age eight. I was at a neighbor's house. And the parents were eating dinner, fish sticks. I'll never forget this. Like watching pornography like it was the Cosby show or, you know, growing pains or something from that era that was on because this was like the late. So this would have been 89. Yeah. Um, or I'm sorry, 87. 87. I don't know if those shows were on in 87. But that that's it. And they invited me over for dinner. Oh, my. And I was sitting at the TV and I'm like, what is this? I, that's how I got exposed to it. Parents, talk to your kids. Ask them questions. They might blow you off. They may be like, eh, I don't want to talk about this. This is weird. Keep asking. Yeah. This sin will, like all sin, will chew them up, chew you up, and spit you out and leave you feeling isolated and alone. And that is not what our Lord has for us. Mm-hmm. And I know we've spent quite a bit of time on this. Yeah. And, um, but this is this is important. Yeah, it is. I'll say this, and then we can we can wrap up. Yeah, um, it's very culturally relevant right now in the church, particularly in our world right now, to spend a lot of time when we think about sexual immorality, to have uh, our signs and our scriptures ready to fight the homosexual community mm. and the transgender community. This is what we think are the hot buttons of the day. And meanwhile, our kids and our marriages, our husbands and our wives and our sons and our daughters are falling prey to pornography mm-hmm. and self-gratification. And we're, we're letting it happen. Yeah. The talking points we want with our kids are how do we help my son or daughter navigate uh, seeing uh, two men kiss on the screen? What about seeing two people having sexual relations on the screen outside of a marriage? That's more prevalent. The odds that you know, and and I think some of this is driven by fear. I'm just going sure. for it today. Just do it. <laughs> I'm getting slap happy. Let go and let God. Yeah, well, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> is that on this coffee mug? I don't know. Just go. Here, go. Yeah. Shh, here's go. Here, here's the thing. Uh, to sit there and 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 many of the conversations I have, you know, uh, are related to you know a daughter or a son, you know, being exposed to a homosexual lifestyle, and I'll hear this from parents sometimes. Well, I don't want my kid to think that that's normal. I don't want my kid, and and some of that is rooted in fear that their child will be homosexual, that their child will make the choice to live in a homosexual lifestyle, and statistically, that's probably not going to happen. Sure. I mean, around 2% of the population, 2 to 3% of the population that sexual sin manifests itself in that way. Sure. Yet 91% of men and 78% of women will self 
gratify. And out of those 91%, three out of four men use pornography. About 50% of women use pornography. The numbers are overwhelmingly skewed towards abuse, Mm -hmm. sexual immorality, abuse of God's design for sex in pornography and Mm self-gratification than uh, homosexuality or that transgender argument. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't address those things and educate our kids on those things, but mom and dad, speaking to you specifically, if you're going to have a conversation with your kid, I don't care if they're 30 years old, have a questions. Dads that have older sons that are married, when's the last time you grabbed your son and was like, hey, how, how you doing, son? And this is going to be a little bit awkward, but how you doing with lust? Yeah. How you doing? Like, how's that going? I, I'm good. Poor Henry. <laughs> I, I'm going to have those conversations with him. Yeah. Because as a 30, you know, 30 year old guy that was struggling in that area, nobody checked in on me. Yeah. And Thankfully, the Lord and the Holy Spirit did his work and, and, and continues to do his work. Yeah. But have those tough conversations. Mm, that's so good. Heavy. Heavy stuff. Indeed. Indeed. Well. What, well, what's the transition now? Oh, boy. How do we how do we get out of this? So I did have a question for you. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so for the last two weeks, you've consistently said something, and I wanted to check in and see if it's been three weeks. Did you guys get Subway yesterday? We did not. No? No. Okay. I was just curious. The conversation, the real conversation was I was driving home. Henry was um, sick. So Henry woke up on Friday with a fever and the whole thing had a whole thing. And um, so we kept him home yesterday. He was feeling a little bit better yesterday. So kind of a low grade fever. Yeah. And so I was driving home and I, I, Estrella, I'm like, I had to run a couple, I could go to, you know, get vitamins and stuff like that. I yeah. said, hey, do you want me to grab some food? What do you want? And she's like, any of it. That was what she said. Wow. En- any of it. Endless possibilities. Endless possibilities. Neil. And she said things like um, Chipotle. Oh. And then the very next word out of her mouth was Subway. Wow. And then she went Taco Bell, which I knew was a lie. Really? Yeah. Rachel's not a fan of Taco Bell, but Aww. she's so kind and knows that I enjoy um I enjoy that. You like um, to ring the bell. I do. Not yeah. midday though. When did do, when does it have to be? Very very late, right before bed. So you can sleep on the I, stomach pain. I need pain? to sleep it off. <laughs> I literally need to sleep it yeah. off. Like I've had midday Taco Bell. I have to wear like a diaper to bed. Oh, it's night just something Taco else. I, <laughs> it's amazing. Do we need to edit that out? <laughs> we'll see. <Okay. laughs> I'll leave that up to you. It's just um, gross. <laughs> so she threw Subway on there, and I said, uh, "I don't want Subway." And she said, why? And last week when I ate it, what I didn't share with you is I, I think I ate too much of it. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't feel well Uh-oh. the rest of the day. It just sat. It just kind of sat there. You were like, it oh, joined it's always the a li- Yeah, you're, <laughs> that's in your stomach. I didn't share it because you were like, oh, it's kind of a light option. Cold cuts are refreshing. <laughs> that was, I just, I, yeah. And, and I didn't mean that like you can eat 10,000 pounds of it and it's like, oh, this well, is I a light a, refreshing snack. I ate a foot long. I think uh-huh. I think it was too much mayonnaise on the, on the sub. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. So let me just tell you how flawed my logic is. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to feel bad the rest of the day. How about... <laughs> How about I just swing by Burger King? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's so, fantastic. Uh, Rachel's like she she was great with that. You're probably still experiencing that right now. Uh, it no, it did the luge. Oh, okay, yeah, it was. <laughs> you familiar with the luge? That's all I'll say. It <laughs> luged its way. Out of oh, my body. the Burger King luge. Yeah, so it was. Um, 
I couldn't decide between a chicken sandwich and a burger, so I did yeah. a, kind of a half and half yeah. type thing. That's cool. Uh, and then last night I ate a salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you needed to after that. <laughs> I, did. I did. Chicken burger. Yeah. So no. <laughs> wow. No Subway. Okay. No Subway. I was just curious. Yeah. About. That's cool, man. Did you have anything delicious yesterday? We had Charlie's. Is that good? It's good, man. Okay. It's not like astronomical, like this is the best thing on the planet. Yeah. It's, but it's good. It reminds me of, yeah, I don't know, going to the mall. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the only other place I've ever seen. Maybe the airport. I don't know. Do you remember the first time you walked into a food court? Oh, yeah. I do. I was a kid. I was blown away. It was uh, Because my dad me, was a guy that would go to multiple places. Oh, He'd be yeah. like, let's get a slice of pie here. Oh, yes. Let's get some chicken teriyaki. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's getting orange Julius. Yep. Like he would, he would Dude. make the rounds. Mm. I remember yep. the first time I saw him go to a fountain, uh, pop, uh, you know, self-serve yeah. fountain. He's mixing pops. Oh yeah. He's putting Coke with Dr. Pepper and. I he knows what's up. I was like, what are you doing? It's the American way. He was a genius. True freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Dad, I know you're listening. You and I both know that's where the diabetes came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I remember going to Midway Mall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, back when it was not the most depressing. When it was place. a mall. Yeah, yeah back yeah. when it was yeah. functioning. Open. And, uh, somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to go there all the time. And uh, yeah, we'd get like Chinese food and stuff. Yeah, I just, I remember that. So Those, good. Yeah, I remember I'd, I'd sit there and I'd eat some rice with sweet and sour sauce and look off and see KB toys and just be like, KB toys. I want to go in there. Oh, I loved KB toys. Yeah, I remember when they all shut down and I got so many toys for like two cents. It was really? amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. not so many, but I got quite a few Star Wars uh, action figures. I worked awesome. at that Midway Mall. Did you? I worked at Dillard's. Oh, yeah. I worked at Kaufman's. Wow. Yeah. Kaufman's. Dude. I was sold sheets. Dude. And bedding. That's crazy the the names and the words that just you don't say anywhere. Right. Kaufman's. Kaufman's. Yeah, wow. it was Kaufman's at the time. I think it turned into Macy's. Oh, yeah, that's but right. But I needed a job and I went there and yep. they're like, we have an opening. I was mm-hmm. like, what department? They're like, bedding. I'm like, what? They're like, do you know anything <laughs> about thread count? I was like, I don't know anything about thread at all. <laughs> they're like, well, you know, you can watch these videos and yep. they gave me the job and I watched some videos on thread count and it's amazing poly cotton blends. And then they're like, you want to sell mattresses? I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. And I worked there for a while selling uh, sheets and bedding. Yeah. I tried <laughs> to work at Midway mall once. Did you? Yeah. I walked into the American Eagle and mm. I said, I would like to work here. Uh, how do I do that? And he said, well, here's a uh, application that you can fill out. So I, Filled it out. I left it. And I called back the next day, asked to speak to the manager. And she said, hey, hang on a second. And literally put the phone down and then just walked away. Never. No, I stayed on the phone for like 10 minutes. Wow. Okay, yeah. good for you. And I and I just was like, you know what? I don't think I want to work here. I think that's the first ever recorded incident of ghosting. It might have been. I think it got, was a long time you ago. You got ghosted in, in the old. By the American Eagle manager. It was the landline ghost. You know, and <laughs> maybe it's just me feeling, you know, personally upset that uh, kind of disrespected and stuff. Yeah. But in retrospect, she seemed kind of snooty. Yeah. Like maybe I wasn't American Boy, Eagle material tough. or something. Retail's Your wife knows. Retail. My she wife does knows. know. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I say to Sarah sometimes is like, you know what? You're being snooty. 
Really? Like a like a re- no, I've never said like, that. Like a retail. She's manager. not snooty. She's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's been all my interactions. Yeah. <laughs> that's been very kind. No, Jared, have you talked to Sarah about her snootiness? <laughs> that's right. Ooh. Yeah, Judah on the other hand. Oh man, he is he stoic. Up. He is St- that, stoic. Your problem is that you keep encountering him when he's at peak nap time. You know, uh, desire. It's his nap time. I have no problems with him. Is it? Does he think I have a problems? No, okay, but tell him I'm I have just no saying, problems. I'm just saying, I know, he's 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 got it out for you. I know. <laughs> he does, he has. Like, he took a hit out on you. Well, let's hope not. So anyways, <laughs> I have to say before we go, I am lucid. I'm not overly tired from oh, good. yesterday. Good. And I can tell you, I love my family. And good what we you. do on Sundays is not, I have to double check and make sure this is <laughs> what Sarah told me to say. There we go. She keep, no, she keeps saying like, babe. You can't. You got an earpiece now? No, I don't. But <laughs> I do feel bad because I'll listen back and be like, I don't sound like I love my family. I sound like I'm just <laughs> complaining about my whiny kids or something like that. I hope that's not no. how I come across. But no you're always like, so what did you guys do yesterday? I'm like, well, didn't enjoy my family. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> no. So Sundays like are our chance to just be together, you know, yeah. and just kind of shake off, you know, leading up to Sunday and you know, this there's, there's kind of an anticipation and sure. sometimes yeah. there can be not an anxiety, but just kind of preoccupation. That, yeah. Just, yeah. you know, it's you hard to make to sure present. everything goes well. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, in my world, there's a lot of technology that can go wrong. <laughs> that does <laughs> stuff, go wrong. Stuff that can happen. <laughs> Always. And so you think up oh, Sunday's coming, yeah. you know, hopefully it goes well. And so Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those yeah. things, but there's a unique freedom of mind. After Sunday, it's done. It's over. Yeah. We get to go home. Kids yeah. take a nap, and uh, you know when they wake up, we just get to play. Yeah, and it's just so nice. Like Jude has been walking. Oh, he's taking, oh, he's taking nice. some walks. It's so cute. <laughs> uh, he's talking a little bit. Oh, and Addison is so funny. She woke up from nap yesterday, and she napped hard. She went to a birthday party, yeah. so she was just she was Ow. wiped. Uh, and so we pass out on the couch. We're tired too. Yeah. And I wake up and it's like five thirty. Oh boy. Uh oh. <laughs> so yeah. I get Judah up. He's in a great mood. And then I uh go and get Addison. She's out like a she's just so tired. So I get her up and she's like, I just she just wants to sleep. So she lays down on the ground, gets her blanket, and and she wants me to lay down next to her. Mm on the floor. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do this. It's time to get up. It's five 30. We got to go have dinner. Right. So I get up and she hits the floor where I was sitting and says, no dad, dad, no dad. Uh, like telling me what to do. Right. Like you are one cute kid. Yeah. He's kind of bossy, but it's very sweet. And yeah. I like it. Oh like, yeah. You yeah. are the, it's okay for them to boss. I know. <laughs> it is when age. it's so cute. That's my timer, man. We're done. That's it. That's it. All right. This was so good. I love my family. Sarah, I love you and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone on the podcast to know that. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. I'm not being held hostage. <laughs> so I normally do marriage counseling on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You guys can check my schedule. Yeah, just send that. an email to Marjorie or Brenda. They'll get you over. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thank you all. I really quick. I like that in order to set up counseling, I still have to email someone else to yeah. get to you. Well, the funny part is, is that I actually do all my own scheduling, wow. but I don't want you to have my direct line. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.